and welcome to this week's edition of the Media Folk Podcast. Hey, this is episode 305, 305, Dolly. Mm. Mr. Worldwide. <laughs> Mr. Worldwide. Uh, we are the Worldwide Podcast, Media Folk Podcast. If you don't know, oh yeah, and it's November the 13th, by the way, 2021. If you are watching this or listening to this and don't know what the Media Folk Podcast is, well, it's a podcast about movies, video games, television, and music. Not necessarily in that order. My name is Matt. With me, as always, is Mike. I'm Mike. He's Matt. Not always, if you were listening to last week's episode. <laughs> it's not as always. But you know what I mean. try the, I mean, what is it, 95% of the time we're <laughs> yeah. together. So wait, you try, so you have survived uh, NASCAR in Arizona? We'll talk about that in sports, about about who won, why it may or may not be controversial, some other stuff as well. Yes, so welcome back, but in the meantime... Yes, I did survive the Arizona heat, if that's what you're asking. (laughs) Somehow. Although you brought it back with you. Yes. Um, We've had an unusually warm week here in the middle of November. Um, But other than that, though, we have a podcast to do, and we have a long one. I I have lots of thoughts. Um, I've got like two weeks worth of thoughts all stored up in We have thoughts catch up to do. So let's start, as we always do, with movies. And we always start movies with the weekend box office numbers. As you may well know, another MCU movie debuted last weekend. Shocking no one. Shocking no one. Eternals, which premiered to a modest $71 million. Mm-hmm. Not blowing away anybody's expectations, not setting any records, but also no slouch either. Uh, Especially still in a post-pandemic. Right. Puts it in the middle of the pack, I yeah. think, more or less, with the big uh, blockbusters of 2021. Um, following that, another blockbuster of 2021, Dune, with another $7.7 million. That's at $84 million. So if you're comparing Eternals to Dune, mm-hmm. Eternals will pass Dune next week. Easily. 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 Although, of course, this is not uh, keeping in mind Dune's numbers on HBO Max, Correct. which we should also uh, include here. Number three, No Time to Die, another $6 million. That's at 143 Respectable so far. Now that's a number for Eternals to catch. Indeed. Number four, Venom, Let There Be Carnage, with another $4.4 million. That's almost at $200, at $197 million domestic. Right that, now. Is, that may or may not actually limp over the $200 mark, much in it. the same way that um, God, Congress Godzilla did. Yes, it very well could. And then number five, Ron's Gone Wrong, with another four, oh, $3.5 million. That's only at $17 million. Still disappointing, I think, for Disney. Uh, it's not It's not performing in the way they wanted to. Is that Disney? It's technically Disney. I oh, believe the it's... Blue? It's um, it's through what would have been a Fox oh, okay. film originally, but okay. I think it's technically still Disney. Also, they were doing a lot of marketing on Disney Channel because uh, of theirs. Again, like I said last week on my solo show, the only marketing they yes. were doing for that movie. And in case you're wondering what the other debut from last week was ha- did at the box office, it's away at number eight, Spencer, which I didn't know what the hell it was, uh, comes in at 2.1 this is the Princess Diana biopic. Oh! Uh, called Diana Spencer. Okay, got it. Got it. That's an awful name for that. No one would know. No. <laughs> that, that's why it's down here. Maybe that's why it's number eight. Yeah. And this weekend, if you're looking to see some movies, well, a couple movies for you. Clifford the Big Red Dog, which of course is the film adaptation of the beloved children's books. Uh, Giant Red Dog, you know. Yep, uh, it actually came out early on Wednesday in order to beat this week's new release. Which, of course, is Belfast. What is Belfast? Oh, that, this is where like, the crickets and the violins go on, because yeah. it's a black and white period <laughs> piece. <laughs> oh boy, alright. 
That's someone's, uh, someone's, someone somewhere is looking forward to this. Uh, someone named Oscar is potentially looking at this. Yes, maybe. For next year. Yeah, I don't know. That. He's just like in his mother's basement, you know, just chilling. Like Oscar, he's eating Cheetos. I don't know what he's doing. All right, no, let's... Like Oscar the statue. I, I knew what you were doing. I, I, I got it. I got it. I got it. Whoosh. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, let's move on into some movie news for you weird stories or one weird story and some bits for you let's get to the weird story i had no idea that this was going to happen this was not on my radar at all no i don't think this upcoming story was on anybody's radar <laughs> but at the same time it's still weird that it happened yeah here's a, a rare crossover between the video game section and the movie section for y'all unity software yes if you're in the games uh games industry you might recognize that name because they of course are the game development platform uh, that powers many of your favorite indie games, made a $1.625 billion acquisition of none other than Peter Jackson's New Zealand-based Weta Digital. At some point, Unity plans to make Weta Digital's tools available to creators through a cloud-based workflow with software-as-a-service pricing to be announced later. Under this deal, Unity is obtaining the Weta Digital suite of VFX tools and technology and its team of 275 engineers, who will join Unity's Create Solutions division. Weta Digital's BFX and animation teams will continue to exist as a standalone entity known as WetaFX and retain about 1,700 employees, including CEO Prem Akaraju. The proposed deal is expected to close before the end of 2021, subject to regulatory approvals. So one thing I want to add here that the story does not mention is who the hell is Weta? You might recognize that name or might have seen their work in VFX films, uh, heavy VFX films, such as the Lord of the Rings trilogy. And, and um, Avatar. Avatar. And all the Marvel films. For a very long time, uh, current era included. They Planet were, of the Apes. Yeah, they were the bar, like they were the bar to reach when you're talking about visual effects, CGI, and films. They were doing motion capture, um, like, they were doing... Uh, Before everyone else was doing motion capture. Yeah, it was basically ILM and them. Like, yep. Weta was huge. And I still think they are one of the biggest uh, of these kind of studios in the world. Um, they work on very high-profile projects. So, for Unity to buy, just outright. That was weird. And they're yeah. splitting uh, Weta's, basically, assets between mm-hmm. keeping the VFX studio for the movies has right. a constant stream of revenue because... Yes. That is never going to go away at this point. Yeah. And then taking that kind of software and spinning it off for other creators to mesh with and make. It's really interesting to look at this because I feel like this is something that, weirdly enough, has been more or less uh, tossed around in the video game space for a few, for a few, for honestly almost two decades now, which is that theory that when video game technology gets so good that it becomes on par to stuff that's being used in in film and television that we could see these tools being shared it's finally happening the thing that that pie in the sky idea from 1999 is finally real it's not only this too because we also saw it as the years progressed with um, companies using unreal engine 4 or 5 i guess now um, unreal engine in their in their um, in their pro- in their um, production such as the mandalorian mm-hmm. We're, we're there. We've finally gotten there after years of the company's kind of par- developing parallel strategies for effects. 
they've they finally met. They finally met because video game technology has gotten that good. It's crazy. I don't like that as to Unity though. <laughs> well, what's wrong with Unity? What do you have against Unity? <laughs> uh, I, I, maybe it's just the name and the kind of the projects that people backed Unity with. It's always seen mm-hmm. as subpar when you compare it to like Unreal. I think that's almost a good thing because I think the way, the difference that they have is one is very accessible and cheap, and the other one is well, a high that's price what tech. Unity has is yeah, that it's very saying. accessible that anyone can. I think it's an open software where yeah. anyone can use Unity. I think there's an and there's open. Versions of it, I think there is like a very, very low entry point version of Unity that anybody can kind of use. I think there are tiers, um, but but I think that that's a good thing, is what I'm saying. I think that having something so accessible become as powerful as this and show that it's actually become a player in this space is really heartening to me because it means that something that like it's not necessarily like just catering to the big companies. That's and the fact that it's so powerful now really shows how how far it's come, so which is cool. Using the Adobe Creative Cloud as the example, <laughs> there's going to be th- uh, several tiers to their game developing, which is yeah. the, the free yeah, basic yeah. one, the all Unity software, yeah. and then above that is the Weta software. Yeah, I think that this is their opportunity to kind of get in with the bigger names, your Naughty mm-hmm. Dogs, your Microsofts, your like your your high like high profile uh big graphics intensive studios Mm -hmm. to try to work with unity on their projects as well it's neat it's a power move and this is this is them directly competing with unreal yeah i mean they've always kind of been in a way yeah yeah, this is them stepping up to the big boy play triple a level the big boy (laughs) it's like this this thing (laughs) anyway um yeah neat story i think this is uh like i say culmination of something that's been Kind of percolating under under the surface. That's for a something while. that we'll see that come to fruition in probably a year or two. Yeah, yeah. As the tools from Weta become more accessible to other people. Yeah. Cool. Very cool. All right, let's talk about some future bits. We have come from the future to deliver you some bits. And let me tell you, the future is still changing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, just uh, keep that in mind. Subject to change. Some of these things not super confirmed, but let's hop right into it. First up, MGM is winning an auction for an untitled buddy cop comedy action. Buddy cop comedy action pitch. That's all genres in the blender there. Yes. Set in Hawaii that will pair Jason Mimosa, a media book favorite Jason Mimosa. Yep. Uh, he's he's um, 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 uh, sipping. What's the, the term? Bottomless. bottomless. He's bottomless here. <laughs> With Dave Batista. So uh, two media book favorites there. But won't shoot until 2023 due to busy franchise schedules, as you would, could imagine. So Mimosa is currently <laughs> filming um, Aquaman 2. Yeah. Batista is currently filming Guardians, Guardians of the Galaxy 3. 3. Yeah. When they're done with those, they're both going to be filming Dune 2 right. next yes, year. Right, that. <laughs> so yeah, maybe wait on this for a little bit. But hey, that sounds like a fun a fun movie. The two of them, Buddy Cops in Hawaii. Yeah. Um Jason Momoa is supposed to be wearing a Speedo and Dave Bautista with his classic board shorts. <laughs> wait, no, I think I had that mixed yeah, up. Right. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that. there you go. Yeah, swap that. <laughs> <laughs> no one is actually going to be bottomless, I lied. Let's move on. <laughs> Next bit here. The new live-action remake ooh, of animated Disney classic Pinocchio. 
we do this already? We'll be arriving on Disney Plus in the final, in the fiscal fourth quarter of 2022. Which is next year. And we'll pair, of course, Tom Hanks with Robert Zemeckis. Not the first time that has happened. No. Um, <laughs> this could either be good, like Forrest Gump, or... Creepy, like Polar Express. See, immediately when this, uh, I rem- I came up with, sorry, I'm going to be dredging up an old memory for a lot of people. Remember the ABC movie version of uh, Pinocchio called Geppetto, starring Drew Carey? Yes. <laughs> this is what hit my, na- my what mind immediately when mind. I saw live action Pinocchio. I thought about <laughs> Geppetto, starring Drew Carey. Ugh. Anyways, um, if you want an idea of what this could look like, go to Apple and watch Finch because yeah. Tom Hanks creates boy robots. So yeah, which which Christy and I saw the trailer. We're like, wait a minute, so this is just Chappie? Yes, that's but what I thought. Hopefully, better than Chappie. <laughs> that's Finch. All right, let's move on to our next story, which is uh, which is a neat one. Um, so hey. Everybody loves having that um, that argument about whether pre- uh, whether uh, the Predator series is better than the Alien series or vice versa, right? Everybody loves Predator. Yeah, especially when you pair them together. Yeah, but what happened before Predator? I mean, he was a hunter. Well, if there was Predators, then there was Prey. Prey, which is a sequel set, or sorry, a prequel uh, set in the Predator universe. We'll have an indigenous woman as its lead, and will stream on Hulu in the United States in summer 2022. Neat. Not to be confused with Prey, the video, the game. video game. Yeah, it's very different, <laughs> turns out. But I think it's cute calling a prequel to Predator Prey. Yes. <laughs> Even though we think that it would be, It'd be the other way around. Right. Right. Whatever. Yeah. All right. Transformers Rise of the Beasts. Well, will no longer be opening on June 24th, 2022. Instead, it will be... Um, Pushed back pushed, a whole year. A whole pushed, year. pushed back a whole year to June 9th, 2023. Also, the new Star Trek movie that Paramount's been working on won't launch until June, or won't launch on that day, June 9th, 2023. Instead, it will be in December, December 22nd, 2023, to accommodate Transformers. So both big Paramount temples are both moving to another year. Yeah, they're moving out of 2022 yeah. into 2023. How much of this do you think is polish, polishing on on those movies, or how much of this is still worry about the market for uh, the COVID era? A lot of this is making distance from the previous films, uh, especially if they're going to looking to start a new yeah. kind of series with Rise of the Beasts right. and with the new Star Trek, which, granted, is still scriptless. Yeah. We will see. And then here's your little uh, Star Wars update for the week. Rogue Squadron. Again, not the video game, but the (laughs) film. The Star Wars feature project to be directed by Patty Jenkins, with a goal of starting production in 2022, will also be delayed due to scheduling conflicts. It now has a release date of December 22nd, 2023. Yes, if that sounds familiar, that means a Star Trek and a Star Wars movie could be launching on the exact same day. Yep. Hmm. Um, and while that currently remains in place, dates can always shift, and probably will, because those two <laughs> cannot coexist. Yeah, Star Wars will eat the other one. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Go to, like, saying, I want to watch the star fighting one. Yeah, star. <laughs> the, the getting one a ticket. Yeah, Star the, Wars? You mean Star Trek? No, 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 I mean Star Wars. The, the one where they're in space. <laughs> <laughs> Which one? 
Look where they're this. fighting each other in space. The JT Abrams one. Wait. Uh, <laughs> anyways. What was JJ Abrams producing? Right, yeah, wait a minute. That's both of them. How did that? Uh, that could very well be the case. Uh, let's get out of bits then. That was your future bits for, for, for a moment. Uh, let's move into some movie thoughts. You have three movies. Three very different movies that you watched this week. We're going to start with the one that ruled the box office. All right. Eternals, because the one I want to talk about the most. Okay, okay. So I'm going to preface this with what little I know about Did you see movie. Eternals? I have, obviously, I did not, because okay. I didn't go to a movie theater. Okay, and yes. I have not since before March 2020. Yes, um, which means the last movie you saw in theaters was Rise of Skywalker. Yes, I believe that is the last movie I saw in a theater. Um, what I, unfortunately, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sucks, right? Um, but, okay, here's what I know. It is getting mixed reviews, I think, to put it lightly. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people are comparing this rather unfavorably to the feel of a DC Universe film as opposed to a Marvel film. And it seems like it is not the direction people want the MCU to go in. What is your reaction to that? This is a cosmic setting uh, film set on Earth. And I think that is where a lot of people's confusion and unravelment kind of yeah. lay. Whereas Guardians of the Galaxy is the cosmic yeah, MCU. Fully in space. Fully in space, yeah. fully enveloped. It's all new worlds. Whereas the Eternals film is that same cosmic scale mm -hmm. centered on Earth. Okay. Which, give it to credit to close out, um, this film does a lot to go both big and small, huge ideas, yeah. and very intimate. How are those sunsets? Oh, sexy. <laughs> How's Angelina Jolie? Not that sexy. Oh, okay. But, that being said, <laughs> there is a sexy in what? a Marvel film. We get it! It My stars! Happened. I can't believe it. My sensibilities. <laughs> I'm offended. Um, anyway. Okay, so, what is Eternals? Who are the Eternals? Ooh. How deep do you want to go in this? Very action? light. Give me the surface pitch. Give me, uh, I've never read a comic book in my life, pitch of what the, the Eternals are. Uh, so, so give you the, I'm coming in from the MCU standpoint? Yeah, basically. If I've only ever seen Avengers movies, tell me who the Eternals are. Okay, so, Guardians of the Galaxy. That's a different movie, but okay. Okay. They introduced the Celestials. Sure. The Celestials are the beings who wielded the Infinity Stones. Right, yes, those guys. Um, yes. They, they're on that planet, just chilling in like a bunch of chairs. Yeah, I remember this now. Yep. Okay. Um, <laughs> Russell Crowe. Kurt Russell. Kurt, yes, Kurt Russell. Very different. Um, yeah, very different. Um, as, as Ego, dad. Yes, yeah, Charles' dad, Ego, is yes. a Celestial. All right. The Celestials, these big body, oh, over the huge planet people, yeah. created the Eternals. Okay. The Eternals are only existing to fight the Deviants, okay. which is why we've never seen them in the MCU before. Who are the Deviants? Do they write? Do they make uh, fan art and post it online? Uh, I've, I've been to their website. <laughs> Close. Some, a, lot of, a lot of questionable things on there. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't blame the Eternals for wanting to kick their asses, I get it. <laughs> um, so, sorry, who's in the Deviants? So, in... Basic summary, Eternals and Deviants can be summed up as angels and demons. Ah, I see. My favorite Dan Brown book. Yes. Sorry. Not to be confused with Angels and Airwaves. I promise I'll shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, no, continue. 
So that's the basic premise of mm-hmm. these are deity-like, god-like figures, the Eternals, fighting these hellish beasts called the Deviants. Okay. And that's your basic premise. All right. So what this film does is it throws out the traditional sense of what Marvel is, which is character-based, yeah. and they're only super because of the suits. Uh-huh, right. It's not. It's less about the personalities of these people, knowing them as people first, and more about, like, these are just gods, and they're wrecking people's shit. And, yeah, that's what it is. It, these are gods among men. Mm-hmm. And it's something that we really haven't seen full-scale in the MCU yeah. in terms of a timeline. At least not for your heroes. I think you have that in the villains. Yes. Like Thanos, for example, is very much that. Right, and Malachi. This, like, and... ridiculous god who just is overpowered and, like, just exists to be evil. Right. Well, well, I guess Thanos is a little bit of an exception because there is some pathos there, yes. but not a lot. Also, um, Thanos, um, yeah, in comic book lore, this is where I think he gets about very muddy. Right? Is he technically an eternal? He's technically an eternal. Ah, okay. But he looks the way he does because he has a deviant strain gene. <laughs> of course, he so does. He's yeah. He's I played Metro. I played Metroid Dread. I get this. <laughs> sorry. Like, spoiler, possibly for Metroid Dread, anyways. So, yeah, so... This is like... So, what the Eternals is doing is entering that comic book space of... This might be too weird for me. And that's what people are uh, <laughs> yeah. starting to get into. All right. And I think that's where you see a lot of these polarizing and different views sure. of... Well, I like the concept of Eternals, but I don't like how it fits in with the MCU. <laughs> Yeah, it doesn't fit like a glove. It's more like, this is also happening over here, but it feels too separated. It feels too, like, yes. it's not grounded, ironically enough, because as you said, they try to ground it on Earth here to have some sort of semblance of, yep. of relation. But yeah, you're right. Thematically, it's so different than what they've, what they've delivered before. Uh, that's, uh, that's where a lot of these complaints are coming in. Mm-hmm. That's where you get these polarizing opposite views. Yeah. I am in the view of, it is a... Very great looking film. Sure. It looks great. It plays rather fast. Okay. Surprising for For a movie that's probably two and a half hours, yeah. (laughs) But the action is constantly moving forward. There's constant stuff happening. Um, About by the end of the first act, I was able to recognize who all the ten new characters were and what all their ten powers were. Yeah. Which you have to establish and is hard to do yeah. when introducing people from a zero-based knowledge. Which kind of, you know, tie back to the show I did last week and also our conversation about Dune that we had with mm-hmm. you. I think Dune does that as well. I think it's 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 a long movie, but it doesn't feel as long as it is because it the, it does enough to, like, to familiarize with the situation and clearly delineates who everybody is where you don't feel lost. You don't feel like you're missing any of the plot. And good to hear that something like Eternals can do the same thing. Yeah. So, wrapping it all up, because we have a lot to get to. We have a lot to get to. I like Eternals. Okay. Mm, all right. Might be one of my favorites of the of Phase 4 wow. so far. Okay. I mean, there hasn't been that many, but... Right. Uh, I mean, when you're comparing it to Shang-Chi and yeah. Black Widow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. Like, it's currently my favorite, you know, until Spider-Man comes out. What's your read on the DC Universe comparisons? People saying that it feels more like DC. 
I mean, your main hero is basically the stand-in for Superman. Mm-hmm. You have the Flash in there with someone who's a speedster. <laughs> yeah. You have a healer in uh-huh. there, someone like uh, Martian Manhunt. So does it feel like Justice League? Yeah, there, is, there are Justice League bits if you choose to look at it that way. Yeah. I can, mm. it, there, there is the comparison that can be made. And do you think that really is just as much uh, just about, like, they're not humans? They're not relatable on that level like the MCU yes, heroes are. but here's the, here's the spin I'm going to put... For all you people saying that's DC All right, based. entering the spin zone, entering got it, let's do it. These heroes of the Eternals have been around for literal thousands of years since the beginning of time. Yeah. Because they've been around since the beginning of time, their stories have evolved over the course of all of humanity. Right. Being that the stuff that they accomplished back then mm-hmm. has become lost to, has become lore. Sure, yes. And what are lore and myth and mythology. So that's why they have like very mythological names like Icarus and Gilgamesh and Athena. Yeah. So what are comic books but present day um, myth, mythology? All right, we're going here. Okay. (laughs) I guess. I get what you're saying, but at the same time, it's like, yeah, all right. But it also has to be an entertaining movie. And that's where I think people maybe get a little muddled in it, where it's like, it's the vampire problem, right? Vampire stories have the same mm-hmm. issue, which is like, okay, they're hundreds of years old. They live through, like, both world like world wars. Like, they're, they have all this knowledge you're supposed to accept and relate to them. But it makes it way harder, and it makes them less human-feeling because they are not modern people in the way that we think of modern people. So I don't blame anybody for that disconnect. And it makes it much, much harder to make them you care about the characters. So what do they try to do? Do they try to do anything to make them personable? Like, are they funny? Like, are they, like, clever? Like, do they... Any of the characters rank on your, like, favorite MCU characters list? Or are they all just super weirdos? Um, they don't rank high. (laughs) Because no one stands out above the other. Yeah. I put them all in a group of mm-hmm. Eternals. That sucks. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. It's like I think that's why people are having a hard time with this movie. Right. There's no, there's no one standout like, oh, this person's going to go get their solo film back. You're not going to see Angelina Jolie get her own no. spinoff here. No. But that does bring up an interesting point, though, with Kit Harrington being in this movie. Okay. Does not need to be in this movie. <laughs> all right. He's solely in this film to uh, set up a eventual spinoff uh-huh. MCU film uh-huh. um, called uh, in comic books called Midnight Suns. Ah, the, but they're facing that uh, game on. Yes, yes, yes. Where, um, like it has um, Black Knight, Blade, uh, Ghost Rider, yeah. Moon Knight, a uh, couple other. I think Doctor Strange like is in and out of there, but they deal with like the supernatural threats. Sure. Okay. And that's literally all he's in here for. <laughs> just to plant that just, seed. Just to plant that seed of we're gonna plant this here, so in like three to five years when Aren't they doing a blade The Blade too? movie yeah, comes out. I was gonna say, because I just saw some casting news. I don't remember the guy they cast, but they did cast. Yeah, so when Blade, blade actually comes out, they yeah. can say, Hey, Give me see, too. see, yeah. see how it interconnects here because okay. we kind of did it like way back when. Yeah. 
and that's another and the last thing that we'll, we'll talk about for for eternal before we move on is that question about like is this movie a transitional movie in the way that a lot of these mcu films are where this exists to pivot this exists to introduce a new wrinkle to the mcu that they will delve into in future movies this is their pivot of making that celestials and kind of like yeah. god bodies of god tier god bodies god body tier um hierarchy that is mm-hmm. in the comic books yeah circle back to earth and right. like combine like combine those well guard of the galaxy kind of yeah. kind of like basically skipped over that that surface yeah um with dealing with thanos and the Infinity Wars. But this is them diving in. This yeah. is them being like, no, actually, this part of the Marvel Universe matters, and we're going to tell you why it matters. Yes. Then we're going to make it more, make it's sense part later. of their, like, three-pronged attack of having Earth-based threats, so, um, yeah, cosmic threats, cosmic threats, and then the supernatural, supernatural threats. Oh, boy. Right, do you think they're fighting off more than they can choose? Do you think this is going to get too complicated and is going to lose audiences? Do See, you think this is what the doctor yeah. said? Too. Do you think that there's going to this is maybe a jump the shark moment that we're going to look back in five years and be like, oh, that's when they lost the plot. That's when our audiences started disconnecting because it just got too complicated. So this is how I explained it to the doctor as we were coming out of it. Because right. she had the same question yeah. of, if I don't really care about any of this, <laughs> do I have to watch every single film? <laughs> yeah. And the answer is no. Yeah. And that's what the comic books eventually did, where right, they right. have these bit massive team-ups of the Avengers or yeah. Secret Wars or, but, or like Civil War but you or can opt, Battle Earth. Right, but you can Battle opt into whatever worlds you're comfortable with. Yes. Like, if you just want to watch the Earth stuff, if you just want to watch the supernatural stuff, if you, like, you'll find your niche. Yes, and they use those big kind of events where yeah. you where you're basically reintroduced to characters that you may not be familiar with. Yeah. Like people who may have missed on the Guardians of the Galaxy. Right. Um, when they saw them in Infinity War. Like, oh yeah. Like, oh, they're kind of funny and I kinda of like them. Let me go and watch those two films now and yeah. catch up. And that all makes sense and that's all well and good in the comic book world. But my worry is that Disney's not gonna have the restraint to make that accessible you know what i mean where it's like they're going to make it important that you watch everything because it's a business so my worry there is that they're gonna instead they're gonna plant seeds in every single movie so you have to watch all of them and you feel like you're missing out if you don't i don't think we're gonna get to the point where disney thinks it's okay for somebody to pop in call of duty madden style and only watch two movies whenever they want to eight man is a perfect example of this they've already done it yeah, but I think a lot of people went into uh, Endgame and um, and Infinity War and were super confused about the Ant-Man stuff because they didn't see Ant-Man. Yes, but <laughs> you can go back and watch it. You can, but what I'm saying is that you had to to understand the context. What I'm saying is I don't think Disney has the ability to be like, eh, that's optional. They don't want to say that. They don't want you to think that. They want you to think everything is important. Yes, but... Just because it's important doesn't mean it's mandatory to watch right now. I guess, but I think that they want you to think that it is. And that's it's how they get eyes on it. That's my, yeah, I'm worried that they're not going to let it be a niche thing because it's too expensive and oh. too big to fail. We'll talk about that in the TV we'll section. And we have to move on. So let's talk about the other movies you talk, you oh. saw this week. So, I'll, so these two films are on Netflix, and I can combine them both into one 
review because they're Love basically it. the same thing. All right. Army of Thieves and Red Notice. Okay. Both are heist films. Oh, all right. You love a heist film. Yes. Okay. One deals with safe cracking. All right. The other deals with ancient artifacts. Oh, all right. The safe is also technically an ancient artifact. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fine. Okay. Uh, one is a thoughtful heist film. One is a shooter heist film. All right. So one's more action-y than the other. One has relatively unknown actors in it. Uh-huh. One has all the stars. Has all the stars. So in I'm it. guessing that Army of Thieves is the more thinky, no one's in, no one you know in it movie. Unless you watched Army of the Dead, right? Then the safe factor is in there is in this one. Yeah. And then Red Notice is the one where they actually spent to get Gal Gadot and you know and The Rock and, and The Rock and that's and the action. The Ryan, right. yeah. <laughs> the, the one that has the superheroes in them not being superheroes <laughs> exactly are they good no <laughs> neither of these movies is good like I said it, your mileage will vary on All both right. of these because one like an army of thieves I like the, the lore they have behind it like it deals with like uh, Wagner and like his like some guy obsessed with Wagner who created vaults based on Wagner's like Orchestrated uh, pieces, okay, and like, and like someone being brought into the criminal world. Okay, it's interesting. I kind of like that, but but just, then there's Red Notice, yeah. which has all the action in it, and like all the fun and the odd mm. odd couple pairing that you come to expect from films like this. Sounds like you want them to be combined into one movie. I want them both to do better. <laughs> yeah, okay, they both can do better. All right, which ultimately means they both fall kind of middling. Yeah. They have potential. Hear that, The Rock? We're telling you to do better. <laughs> You're not good enough. They're both kind of middling films where it's like, oh, that was a fun heist film. Yeah. I enjoyed my time. Yeah. But at the same time, there's certain elements where it could have been done better. I think Red Notice had too many set pieces where it's like, okay, now we need to have the fight because, or we need a set piece here because we haven't done anything in yeah. a couple minutes and... <laughs> A couple pages and like, oh, we're in this location because we want to do this kind of set piece here. We're running through the jungle or running the top of roof, roof, rooftops or yeah. whatever. Now they're fighting like a treasure ring. It's hmm. okay. set pieces. Yeah. Now everything doesn't have set pieces, <laughs> but it has a lot more interesting character development of, of right. the team. Yeah. And it's a lot more, um, it feels a lot more personal of a film, even though it is kind of back-end ties into Army of the Dead. Huh, okay. Which I feel like they only did after the fact. Like, oh, we have the script here. Yeah. That we can, like, force it in as a prequel to, to this <laughs> film. And just, like, change a couple of things. Like, oh, boom. Like, set in the same universe. Okay. All right, all right. But they both can do better. Well, all right. So uh, those seem like solid. Like I don't know if you're bored on a Saturday afternoon, maybe stream it. If you're in, if you're missing a heist film, right? Or if you liked uh, Army of the Dead and you kind of want more of that, something in that universe, something in that kind of. Realm. Sounds like almost you're almost like leaning a little bit more towards Army of Thieves. Well, because like with Red Notice, I expected more, I expected yeah. better, and I just it's didn't just get missed. it. Okay, fair enough. All right, those were three movies. Yep. Let's talk about something else. Let's move into television, where we're going to talk about 
Sports in the Sports Corner. All right, let's jump right into it. As you mentioned at the top of the show, you were in Arizona for some NASCAR action, specifically yes. the NASCAR Championship. Kyle Larson completed his comeback tour and won. How was that? Uh, mixed emotions. <laughs> All right. Uh, Kyle Larson. Yeah. A.K.A. Speed Racist. Yes, that guy. That guy. <laughs> Not a fan. Um, well, I, see, this is where the mixed emotions come in. Because uh, prior to 2020, yeah. I was a fan of Kyle Larson. Mainly because of Brie Larson. I was like, oh, Larson, Larson. <laughs> no relation. Probably, no relation. But no probably, like the, probably like the worst reasons to, yeah. to like a driver. Absolutely. Like, you know what? It's just it's right up there with, oh, I like their car. So I'm going to root for them. <laughs> right, yeah. Well, he drives a Toyota. That's pretty rad. I love Toyota. Like, oh, oh, that guy drives the Ford Fusion. I hey. got a Ford Fusion. That's what I drive now. <laughs> it's probably like one of the worst reasons to like yeah. up there and like choosing a driver. Sure. But and sure enough, driver. and sure enough, it was the worst reason because he ended up being terrible. So, uh, but however, yes. he has won this. Yeah. Um, so he sat out the 2020 season. Yeah. Um, basically, got kicked out of NASCAR for a year. Had to go take classes. Did a bunch of truck races, um, some dirt races. Got picked up this year by um, Jeff Gordon's team. And started winning all the NASCAR races and ended up winning the NASCAR championship. Does it excuse what he did? No. 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 Do I want to rip for him? No. But this is where the, the, like... And this is always something that comes the, up. The trouble with, is, this is where uh, a trouble comes up with sports often yeah. is that you want so badly to be like excited in, in the moment when something exciting happens in a sport, and in order to do that, sometimes you do need to produce a little cognitive dissonance and think about the sport and the idea of enjoying the sport separate from the person who is involved, mm-hmm. which is really hard when you get to sports that are about individual people, like NASCAR um, or a quarterback on a football team. Or when it's about like an Olympic competitor, it becomes so personalized about that person's performance that you can't abstract it very easily. And yeah, NASCAR has that problem probably more so than a lot of other sports. Golf comes to mind, for example. Yeah. I think people went through this uh, Tiger uh, with Woods Tiger Bates. Woods uh, for a long time, and only now is it starting to get a little less cloudy. But now it's very cloudy for Kyle Larson. Because he's literally coming off. A year yeah, later from this incident. It hasn't been long. It's still in people's consciousness. Yeah. Also, of course, you also have to keep in mind that NASCAR as an entity is also a very conservative sport. It's very popular in southern states. There's also that element to it. So it almost feels like fitting in a way that somebody with Kyle Larson's views would be successful in that universe. So there's also that kind of baggage with NASCAR too, where you have to separate it almost like, am I enjoying this because it's exciting racing? Or is there more going on here? How do I feel? How do I walk that tightrope? Like, like I said, if this happened two years ago, yeah. I would have been ecstatic. Oh, I'd yeah. be by like, all the, the Kyle Larson <laughs> stuff. Like, oh yeah, he's my driver now and forever. Yeah. Be, like, next five years, five championships. I mean, even even the, the World Series, which we should actually talk about because we technically haven't talked about it. Well, we talked about it. You talked about, we talked about it a little bit last week. We just did talk you just didn't talk about it but it was kind of that same feeling about the world series because like as much as you wanted to root for atlanta they are still called the braves yep and their fans still do that job and it's very hard to be excited when that much baggage is involved 
And then on the other side of that, if you want to root for the Astros, you have the <laughs> yeah, entire the cheating, scandal cheating scandal on that, your back. That's still relevant and fresh. So yeah, it's like that's that's the dichotomy of sports, right? Is that it's always because it involves real people in real world dealing with real issues, you have to constantly have that battle between the excitement of the sport and the reality of the world we live in. And it's hard. It's very hard to divide those two. Yeah, interesting though. Yeah. Uh, but I almost said congratulations, but I'm like, no, I don't know if I should say congratulations. Yeah, I guess congratulations to NASCAR fans who had a good time is what I will say. Yes, yes. I gave them the three claps. Exactly. Yeah, that's and all. I was like, okay. If you had a good time watching the race, good for you. It I'm was glad. a fun race. Yes. It was a good race. Exactly. All four top four um, finalists finished the top four yeah. at the end. Yes, which is great to see. It's great to see. Uh, great weekend overall. Cool. Saw all the truck cool. races, all the um, yeah. Xfinity races. Um, uh, I have a new favorite driver who's currently in the Xfinity, so hopefully yeah. he comes back up to the NASCAR race. Hopefully. And that'll be my new favorite driver, aside from the Watermelon Man. <laughs> watermelon Man. So good. Ross so good. Chastain and his Watermelon Man. I saw that shirt. Yes. Yeah, it's so good. It's so good. That's <laughs> like... We all have our separate drivers, yeah. but we all root for Ross. Watermelon. 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 Yeah, it's so good. Okay, well, if you thought we were done talking about uh, complicated people in sports, you were wrong, oh, because we real, have a real, big one. Real quick, um, yes. with NASCAR on the back of yes. this, um, even though it technically won't happen until the start of the next season, okay. NASCAR will be clamping down on any of the Let's Go Brandon shirts that feature NASCAR logos. Ah, huh, Okay. And said that going forward, they will try to distance themselves from <laughs> any political messages. Interesting. Which is a stark contrast from the <laughs> previous, like, three years. It really, really is. Mm-hmm. That sucks. Yep. That, sucks. Uh, that announcement was made during the championship weekend, saying after this, after that weekend that they're going to start distancing themselves as much as they can yeah, and yeah, or yeah. want to sure. away from political messaging. Oh boy, yeah. And we'll see how that goes, because... We'll see how that goes. They did the same thing with the Confederate flag last they year, did. so... They did, yeah. We'll see. We'll see. All right, let's Wait, move no, on. That was this year, wasn't that it? That was this year. Yep. <laughs> it's been a long-ass <laughs> year. All right, let's move on to, yet, like I said, another um, um, little bit of a scandal in the sports world. We mentioned it briefly uh, a couple weeks ago. Now we actually have the full story for you, more or less. Uh, this is talking about Kyle Beach and his alleged sexual assault... Uh, by Chicago Blackhawks video coach Brad Aldrich. Uh, happened in 2010, but was not revealed until last month. An investigation conducted by the law firm Jenner and Block revealed Blackhawks management and coaches were aware of the allegations, yet did not alert the authorities while keeping Aldrich employed until the team won the Stanley Cup. During a news conference last Monday, NHL Commissioner Gary Bettman said, quote, the culture of hockey does not encourage, in fact, prohibits this type of activity i believe you could just count him as like captain obvious with that quote but but big but the league is slapping a two million dollar fine just two million on the blackhawks compared to the devil's three million dollar fine for circumventing the salary cap in 2010 which of course broadcasts a very different message than that quote so how do you read read this situation this looks real bad oh it's super bad um, but also, it's gonna, this is something that, that it's just gonna be swept under the rug unless, like, a megaphone gets behind it. Sure. 
um, much of this, I mean, people people want to turn a blind eye to this, and that's yeah. the sad reality of the fact. And it's a complicated story, right? Because it's a lot of elements here that are not usually the case in sports stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of them is the 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 per- perpetrator of this is not a player; it's a coach. Also, this is a male-on-male sexual assault situation. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of uh, cases like this are seen, at least publicly, in sports. Um, I mean, they'll probably be more common going forward uh, as people get more comfortable and more com- like these stories start spreading because of something like this. That people are able yeah. to speak out right. to it. Right, exactly. But it's not common, so you still see that uncomfortable layer of people being like, mm-hmm. should, we talk about, should we be talking about this? Um, and yeah, but the NHL here, you're right, sending mixed messages. The commissioner wants to show, say that they show like a zero tolerance policy for this kind of thing, but, but the money does not, like the actual punishment does not match. Right. Not only does the money not match, but they can say that we prohibit this, yeah. yet it was allowed to go on for right. the entire year that yes. the, they won the championship. And the fact that this is a decade old story mm-hmm. is really worrying. Because it means that the NHL buried this. Right. Um, when this happened, Kyle Beach was a rookie mm-hmm. when this happened. Um, he's currently playing abroad in the European League. Okay. But this still happened under the not just the Blackhawks watch, right. which they were alerted to, but did nothing. Yeah. But you would assume that if they knew, it means they either withheld it from the NHL. Yes. Or the NHL knew and didn't do anything about it. Yes. Or worse, NHL knew. Yeah. And decided not to punish. You're right. Or just exactly. Like say like, oh, and said like, well, go, go solve it on your own. Yeah. We no one's got any word over this. No, we don't want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And all three scenarios are bad. None of those are good, right? Like you can't look at any in this with any lens and be like they made the right decision. Nobody did. And so yeah, this sucks in a lot of ways. And if this like uh, like yeah but Brad Aldrich needs to be actually punished here in some sort of way yeah um, and it doesn't seem like two million dollars is enough of a punishment it doesn't make any sense it yeah. sucks it's a bad story of course it's still an evolving story um, as this like like you said if this gets mm-hmm. a, some strong voices behind it and maybe the NHL will do more but that's a big maybe right the fact that I mean I hate to say this but Kyle Beach is not a big name. Right. That also hurts the story. Right? Yes. It hurts uh, this being Also, seen. when the captains from the Blackhawks team, who are still representative of Blackhawks management right now, yeah. basically, their statements were kind of non-statements of, it happened. Right. I'm still trying to figure it out. <laughs> even though I was there, and I lived it, and I perpetuated right. it. Yeah, and kept it a secret, yes. right? Because that's the unspoken thing. Is that if it happened and you were there, like, the fact you didn't, your silence speaks volumes in that case. Um, It was, uh, in the interview, it was said that teammates knew about this Mm -hmm. because they would constantly tease Kyle about it. Okay, that's rough. Yes. So, while most players can claim, faint, that, oh, it's just a joke that we did with him. But that's not a joke. That's not a joke, It's not a joke. Yeah. And that's the thing. So, yeah, we'll, um, I guess we'll have updates if there are further updates here. But for now, it's just lousy. Now it just... just And that's why it kind of took us a while to get to the story. Because 
slow bits came out here and there as the story broke and people were allowed to speak on it. So again, just like the Eternals, just like the uh, uh, just like the the uh, the uh, heist movies, the NHL. You could do better. <laughs> you can do better. That's the theme for this week. You can do better. Come on, come on, NHL. Okay, speaking of doing better, we're not done with terrible oh, sports stories Jesus, yet. Yeah, sports. Dark week. Dark week. Robert Sarver, Sarver, the Suns and Mercury majority owner, was the subject of last week's lengthy ESPN report that prompted an NBA investigation. He stands accused of misogyny, racism, and creating a toxic wor- work environment in Phoenix. This is, of course, reminiscent of Donald Sterling's investigation that shook the Clippers back in 2014. Yep. Uh, same kind of management talk. Um, there's videos of it. There's audio recordings of it. Not too dissimilar to the John Gruden story. Yeah. Um, which John Gruden is now suing the NFL for letting that happen. Right. <laughs> Just like, come on, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, if you didn't want to get out, yeah. don't be that kind of person. Right, exactly. <laughs> like, like, you can't. Take it back now. It stopped <laughs> with you. If you don't want it out, you don't yeah. send it. You don't yeah. put it out there. Yeah. It's it's, yeah. But you, I, you can't say it's a bad reflection when mm-hmm. literally just holding up a mirror to you. Again, this is also a similar story. If this was, if you know, if his, um, let's say, approach uh, to uh, his style, his, his, his management style here, yeah. was really um, this way for so long. It's amazing that it took this while to come out. Like, it's amazing that the NBA didn't know. Or if they did know, similar to the NHL, didn't do anything about it. Right. Like, stories, presumably, have been probably circulating the league for a while, right? Uh, when one of the co-owners for the Suns died, um, his wife basically had everyone come over. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't a eulogy, but more of a roast. So mm-hmm. there's audio and video recording. Right. Of Robert Server, um, Sarver, Sarver, roasting um, his, yeah. his friend, uh-huh. but in that he's basically telling stories of everything that they did, from um, chasing cheerleaders to uh-huh. jizzing in Steve Stash's sock uh-huh. to other uh-huh. yeah other mm-hmm. stuff yeah uh huh okay well my but that's a jizzing. He said, left DNA in his sock. That's still disgusting. Yes. No matter what, DNA comes from weird places. <laughs> you don't want any DNA in your sock. <laughs> from anywhere. Yeah. Anyway. That sucks. That sucks. But you're right. Like, there's stuff out there. You can find it. And the fact that, yeah, nobody said anything. It's worrying. Yep. So NBA, hey, you can do better too. Everybody can do better. And lastly, the person to do better is uh, Mr. Kiwaron. <laughs> Kiwaron Rogers. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, news of uh, Aaron Rodgers uh, came out uh, and taking advice from Joe Rogan. I'm sorry. Quote, my good friend, Joe Rogan. Uh, I like how we have gone, 2021 has been interesting for Aaron Rodgers, right? I feel like we all did a 180. He hosts, he guest hosts Jeopardy. Everybody's like, man, he would be pretty like, good at this. Why? Well, I was like, why? Yeah, but then like, he oh. did it, and he was like, actually, he's all right. Yeah. Actually, he's right. right. We can see Aaron Rodgers, and then immediately this, pow. And then he ruled, like, the off-season of a will-he-won't-he return yeah. to the Packers. Yeah, 
And now this. Just just all in the garbage. Just like, all right, yeah. all right, Aaron, sorry. We're not giving you a pass anymore. <laughs> Quarterback joke. <laughs> um, sorry. Like, it's just, this is, I've never seen a 180 this quick. Like, also, um, the team is only being fined like $14,000 for for allowing him to, to play, play regardless to, to play Hate. Yeah. yeah. Wow, sports. But there is brighter <laughs> news, though. Okay. Uh, one silver lining, the Detroit Lions did not lose last week. Hey! Congratulations to the Lions. They also did not play last week. <laughs> <laughs> Well done. Um, also, just a quick mention: if uh, uh, you're watching some uh, postseason uh, baseball uh, news, yep, awards, awards were given out: some Golden Gloves and, and silver, sluggers. silver Sluggers. But the four big awards: the Cy Young, the MVP, yes. the Rookie, and the Coach come. will be next week. Yes. Um, they'll each have their own day. The finalists have been revealed. Yeah. Um, with I think it goes Rookie. Coach, okay. Cy Young, and then, and then MVP, MVP on Thursday. So next week, we'll know. Will we may be crowning Otani as MVP. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Yep. But in that case, we're done. We're done with, we're sports. Done with sports. We're done with sports. And we get to move on to two stories that are really just one giant story. Because if you were watching the internet, you would know it was Disney Plus Day. A.K.A. Disney's second Disney Plus second yeah, anniversary, basically Disney Plus Day. So here's a bunch of news about Disney Plus and what's to come. <laughs> it's, it's just all Disney Plus. Yeah, it's all Disney. That's all the news all was. Disney. It was just, just Disney all Plus. it was. If you haven't already subscribed to Disney Plus, one, what's wrong with you? Sure, but two, <laughs> you can do so for just one ninety nine for the month of November for new accounts. Here's what's new coming soon. Well, coming as of yesterday, because yeah. yesterday was Disney Plus Day. You will see the uh, everybody can watch it uh, Disney Plus version of Shang Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Yep. Also, Jungle Cruise will be released on the ser- service as well. Home Sweet Home Alone, which is a series. No, that's a, a movie. Film. It's a spinoff movie based on the Home Alone franchise. Mm-hmm. Uh, short films Olaf Presents, featuring Olaf the Snowman from Frozen. Yep. Frozen Fever, also Frozen. Uh, that's the already yes. released special yes. for short film. Short film. Feast. My all-time favorite Pixar <laughs> short. Paper Man. My all-time favorite Disney short. Yeah. Home, uh, yeah, wait, I read that. Get a Horse. Uh, I think this one came out before Wreck-It That Ralph. was the Mickey Mouse, Mickey Mouse short. One. The Oscar-winning yes. Mickey Mouse short that came out before Wreck-It Ralph. Ciao Alberto, which is a new short in the Luca universe. Yep. And a new short from The Simpsons, which I believe is also a Disney Plus Day kind of riff. Yes. Um, that one uh, I've watched. It's short by yeah. minutes. They're just riffing on all the Disney properties. Yeah. yeah. And so that's all they do now. why not? <laughs> also, MCU fans will get to experience certain titles in IMAX's Extended Aspect Ratio at home with IMAX Enhanced on Disney Plus. Here, let me go into ad copy voice. With IMAX enhanced on Disney+, Plus, the IMAX's expanded aspect ratio across 13 Marvel titles will become the default aspect ratio at 191, offering up to 26% more picture for select sequences, meaning more of the action is visible on screen as the filmmakers intended. 
The 13 titles available at launch include the Disney Plus premiere of Marvel Studios' Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, in addition to Iron Man, Guardians of the Galaxy, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, Captain America Civil War, Doctor Strange, Thor, Ragnarok, Black Panther, Avengers, Infinity War, Ant-Man, and the Wasp, Captain Marvel, Avengers Endgame, and Black Widow. Quote, Disney, Marvel Studios, and IMAX have collaborated for years to bring the world's most popular films to the big screen. And on Friday, we'll start to bring IMAX technology to subscribers with IMAX enhanced viewing in the Disney Plus app, said Michael Paul, with an extra L, president of Disney Plus and ESPN Plus. Quote, we're thrilled to create new value for Marvel fans and audiences on Disney Plus, and we're looking forward to offering even more IMAX enhanced functionality in the future. IMAX is considered the default now when you start a Disney Plus film. You yeah. can uh, choose to switch it um, in the version to a widescreen format. Mm-hmm. But what's nice is when you do, it gives you a visual representation of what that will look like cool. uh, based on the film. Um, with uh, Shang-Chi, mm-hmm. um, IMAX, uh, it's him doing the pose with all ten rings. Ah. In the widescreen version, it cuts off right. some of the rings on the top and bottom. I will give this a shot. I have the TV for it, so I will check this out. Yes, it would be really, really cool uh, to see like IMAX uh, yes. uh, footage in 4K. I'm excited to see. Mm-hmm. Let's move on to our second half of Disney Plus stories. Because honestly, there's not a whole lot to talk about there. Uh, it was just IMAX. Things, it's new IMAX yeah, now. New IMAX. Let's talk about the Marvel uh, part of this, even though we kind of already talked about some Marvel stuff. But what about new shit that's going to be on Disney Plus? Yes, in the stuff Marvel that universe? was announced yes. as coming exclusively to Disney Plus. Well, they showed off first footage for upcoming live-action shows: Moon Knight, She-Hulk, and Ms. Marvel. All we already knew was in production, right? All as part of a Marvel Studios special. Among the newly announced projects are X-Men '97. Which, as you may have guessed, continues the story of the yeah, beloved the 1990s animated X Men series. Yep. Neat. Um, funny, uh, so, do funny do enough, do I, do I watched do that. Do do do. Yep, I usually <laughs> watched all of that all the way through. Oh, wow, okay. Um, it does end up leaving on a cliffhanger, um, so, which is Professor X being lost in the alternate zone and kind of the X Men going on their own way. So, this will continue that as the X Men. You live their life and then yeah. eventually try and find a way to bring Professor X back. Cool. So, yeah. Okay. Also, the, like also those like guitar that. riffs. Yeah. Classic theme song. Every kid who grew up in the 90s knows that theme song. The next thing they announced was Spider-Man colon a freshman year. It will be an animated show exploring Peter Parker on his way to becoming the MCU Spider-Man. One note that I thought was really cool about this is that they got... Uh, Jeff Trammell, lead writer on uh, Craig of the Creek on Cartoon Network, will be uh, heading the writing team for this as well. Nice. Very cool because he's a very good guy and I'm happy to see him get work uh, on something uh, that's near and dear to his heart. And then there's Marvel Zombies from director Brian Andrews, which reimagines the Marvel Universe as a new generation of heroes fights a zombie plague, of course. This is based on a long-running um, zombie variant of the Marvel Universe comic series that's been going on. Yep, uh, they tested the waters with the what-if story of the zombies, and right. people liked it, so, so they're gonna do this it. is what happens. I remember when I said, hey, this is the what-if stories of, <laughs> yeah. like, they're testing Pilot the program. waters. Pilot yeah. program, yeah. <laughs> 
The studio also confirmed a number of series and specials already known to be in the works, including the Hawkeye spinoff, which is soon, I believe, Echo, Catherine Hahn's WandaVision spinoff titled Agatha House of Harkness, and an I Am Groot animated show, and a Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. Yeah. All right. Sounds like a good slate of shit if you're a Marvel fan. But man, this is a lot of Marvel So, remember what, yeah, remember when I, when I literally just talked about how the Eternals kind of split yeah. up, and it's now it's like a pick and choose. Like, we're just going to put all this out there. Yeah. You don't have to watch all of it, but it's there if you it's want It's there, to. I guess. It's, a lot of this is going to be important to, like, the overall plot that you want to yeah. watch. But if you're following, like, specific characters or specific storylines, this is kind of more yeah. where they're going to do it. I have to say, though. It's a lot. It's a lot. And it's also, lot. like, none of this is for me. That's fine. Which is fine. But it's just, it's weird. Like, now Disney Plus as an entity is like, at least their new stuff is just not catering to anything I'm interested in. Which is Well, not looking at all those titles, yeah. all those lead characters outside of X-Men 97 and Spider-Man freshman year, all of them are considered C and D list yeah, characters. Yeah, yeah. It makes you wonder if they're trying to make that no longer the case. If they're trying to make like a case for these smaller niche niches of the MCU and make them matter. I mean, that's what happened with Iron Man. He was a B-list character. Right. And they made him an A-list star. Yeah. And well, yeah, he's still an A-list star. I mean, because well, I think Spider-Man the, is the S-class. I was going to say, the exceptions here, I think, are the X-Men and the Spider-Man projects. Yeah. Because those are big And Fantastic deals. Four. They yeah. are the S-class when, I, when I'm talking about here. <laughs> I need to see your tier list. My tier list, yeah. yes. <laughs> Our Marvel, Marvel character Marvel tier, character tier list. list. Let's do it. Let's move on. Uh, you have some thoughts to get through. Let's wa- walk through these um, uh, TV series that you watched this week. All right. So, uh, real quickly, uh, we mentioned Olaf Presents. Yeah. It is Olaf doing his quickest rendition of Disney's Greatest Hits. Oh, so just like the recap thing he does in Frozen 2. Exactly. Got it. That's all it is. And okay. he does do Disney's Greatest Hits of yeah. Lion King, Little Mermaid, Moana, Tangled. Okay. Uh, I think that's it. No, shit, I'm missing one, because there's five. I'm missing one, but yeah. It's, it's Disney stuff. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's Josh really? Gad's, it's Disney stuff? It's Josh huh. Gad's reason to yeah. come back as Olaf. Sure. I mean, it seems entertaining. It seems like fun stuff that a little for the, the millennial kid, or the millennial parents, kids. and a little for the kids that are watching it with them. Yeah. For sure. the kids. Sure, it's for the kids. All right. Um, so, um, also, Disney Plus, real quick, I finished or the season finale of yes. Doogie Kame Aloha. Season yeah. one came out. How'd that, that, how'd that hit by the end? Um, more family than Doctor Show yeah. by the end. Yeah. Um, more personalized and less I'm doing Doctor stuff, which... Yeah. It's fine. It's fine. I mean, it's not essentially what I'm going for, but then again, if I really wanted Doctor stuff... There's adult doctor stuff on right. TV. You're um, getting your procedurals from other network shows. Yeah. 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 So it's fine. I really love that they shot in Hawaii mm-hmm. on the island of Oahu yeah. and got a lot of that location into it. That's cool. I loved it. It was really special in that aspect. And if you're coming back from Hawaii and like want more Hawaii, <laughs> here, here it is. Here on it your TV is. Screen. Yep. Cool. Um, but it was fun. I liked all, all the character interactions. Nice. Um, I'm looking forward to season two when it gets up. Um, and lastly, 
I caught up on Inside Job per your recommendation. All right. Because well, I, had I mean, a lot I didn't really recommend it, but I said you should try it. So, um, because I ended up getting stuck in an airport. Sure. Um, story <laughs> for another time. Yeah, not on the podcast. <laughs> I was able to just watch a bunch of Netflix yeah, stuff because I had the time. So, I was like, okay, Inside Job. Let's fire it up and see what happens. Okay. I got to the end. All right. I watched the whole thing. Watched the whole thing. The jokes come pretty fast. Sure. Um, super animated. Lots of gag heavy stuff. Didn't quite capture me by the end yeah. as like I really care about these characters, but also at the end it did a soft reboot on itself huh. at the end of season one. Weird. Okay. So I know you didn't watch it, but spoilers. Sure. The dad gets brought back into the agency because they like the dynamic of the, the father-son. Okay. Or father-daughter. Father-daughter, yeah. Weird. Okay. So sure. he gets brought back as the new head mm-hmm. because they try and give um, Reagan the head job yeah. and she can't handle the pressure. Yeah. Clearly. So they bring in someone <laughs> who can't handle the pressure and who knows the agency, which is yeah. the dad character. That's interesting to me because I feel like I feel like that's either one of two things, right? They're hedging their bets to see if they don't get renewed. Yep. Or they're being like, well, we like this character. We want him to keep, stay, like both of them to stay in the, the narrative. So why not? Right. And it seemed really hard for them or very awkward for them to keep having the dad character him in. into the storylines when yeah. he no longer works at the office. It's Yeah, it's a tough thing that they have to write around yep. that they don't have to write around now. Which yep. is smart. So that's what I'm saying. The soft reboot. But did you end up liking it? How do you feel about it? Are you looking forward to a season two if they do one? Not a whole lot. There's yeah. other animated, weird, right? adult animated shows that I'm more looking forward to. Yeah, it's there's something about it. Like I said uh, two weeks ago, that feels like it's somewhere in the middle for me, and it doesn't go too like far, far enough in either direction. It's not goofy enough to be fun and goofy and it doesn't. But it's not. But it's also because it's too like raunchy. But it's also not raunchy enough to go in that direction fully either. It's like they are waffling a little bit. For me, it's the conspiracy theory. Either yeah. it's all a joke or none of it's a joke. And you can't do that because yes. if you do either of those, it's not the show, right? right? And so it has to. Yeah, you're right. It has to kind of teeter on that, and it's to its detriment. A conspiracy theory again it's like what i said two weeks ago it's like a conspiracy sh- a theory show in 2021 just feels weird mm-hmm. it doesn't feel right speaking of things that are weird it doesn't <laughs> feel right big mouth season five. Oh boy all right so you have a long history with the show you are pretty positive on it generally speaking yep. but i feel like with season four your takeaway was like yeah it's still good but like do i care anymore it's stick it. is getting a little old. Yeah. You were you were you were feeling like a little burnt out on the concept. Yeah. So how does season five react to that? They actually picked a theme and they stuck with it through the whole season. That's good. And I liked that. All right. It wasn't kind of jumping around and I mean that's kind of what I liked with season three where it introduced the doubt character. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's good. I like that. Like a through thought a through line yeah. for right. all episodes. Sure. Big Mouth Season 5 does the same thing, where the through line is about love. Okay. They get bit with the love bug. So love can take on many forms, yeah. whether like you love someone, you don't know where you love, and self-love, and self-love turning into self-hate yeah. as well. 
where you don't feel like you're loving itself, yourself enough. Sure. So, this season in particular, kind of put like a mirror up to that kind of aspect of love and it's interesting form that it could take yeah. um, between like a love bug and a hate worm. And they're kind of two sides of the same coin where depending on which kind of mouth you feed, it's going to go either one way or the other for you. Mm-hmm. Um, in the middle, it does break away from its traditional um, narrative storytelling and does a Christmas special. Sure. Just like Ted Lasso. Just we're going to be right <laughs> in the middle. We're going to do a Christmas special. Just like Ted Lasso. <laughs> Weird. Yeah. Uh, so that episode, like, taken out of here because yeah. it's just, like, the one-off gag that they do on it. Yeah. Um, I enjoyed the season five more than season four. I think okay. they learned from their right. mistakes from maybe, season four. Maybe so. And kind of corrected it here. That's good. Um, I'm just not sure how much more runway they have. Yeah. <laughs> then again, I said this back in season three, so. Mm-hmm. Well, people seem to like it. Yeah. I I don't know. I just can't it just looks so weird just don't like how it looks at all yeah, the aesthetic yeah, cartoonish cartoonish heads looks gross yeah. anyway anyways last but not least it's there um with Big Mouth season 5 I think uh, either no not this week next week um is the season or sorry series finale of F is for Family next nice. week so okay I may be able to get to that. I was looking for the first episode, so... We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. But something I was able to catch up on yes. and finish, finish and complete. Impeachment, colon, American Crime Story. All right. The third version of these American Crime Stories. All right. Impeachment, Monica Lewinsky, Bill Clinton, Scandal. Yeah, so to recap real quick, your previous read on this was... You didn't think that the acting or anything was good enough to basically make it rise to the tier of the best American crime story stories that we've had before. Yes. And most importantly, uh, The People versus OJ. Yeah. It doesn't reach though. What you said before, it doesn't reach those heights because nobody is doing a compelling enough performance. Is that still the case by the end? Yes. <laughs> the acting is not compelling yeah. enough. What is compelling, though, is the overall narrative of where they're going in here. Even though it's, you know what happens because you lived it? Yes, you know what happens. <laughs> because the narrative isn't getting the truth out, the narrative of who holds power. Okay. And that was an interesting aspect that I didn't quite grasp until about episode three and four. Yeah, because we were nine. Like, that was not going to be something we were going to be grasp, grasping, the political, like, effects of that. We just knew the very baseline stuff when we were growing up. Right. Right. But also, I mean... It is on the fact of who holds power. Like, you're talking about the most powerful man in the world. Sure. Who is powerless against uh, an affair. Yeah. Powerless against his own... His actions. His, his own what actions. What he chose to say about them. Yeah. Who holds the power between the political office and the media outlets. Yeah. Who holds the power between print journalism and the rise of internet journalism. Mm-hmm. Who holds the... Because that's when, like, the Drudge Report and sure. internet was coming out. Absolutely. Um, who holds the power between um, desires and people just wanting to be themselves and yeah. people with uh, agendas? It almost sounds like they finally found their hook for the series, just not fast enough. Well, 
either that or I didn't understand the hook fast <laughs> enough. It was such a slow burn that they hadn't gotten to it yet. Yeah. And they were like, when they finally did, they were like, oh, that's what they're going for here. Yes. Okay. When, when they finally brought in um, the news side of it, of holding people accountable, like, yeah. oh, that's power right there, holding the most powerful man in the world accountable. And then flipping on it of, well, they really don't have that much power. They're just saying it. Yeah. Because they're basing off someone else who has the power of the knowledge of the past. Right. But how much power do they have in, say, the legal system and dealing with courts? And how much power is that compared to uh, someone who fighting the legal system compared to someone who is born and bred in the legal system and knows how mm-hmm. to work the system in their power? Okay. Do you think that they, they were successful enough in this kind of thematic... By the end, by they the end were successful. Where it felt like it was... But good. getting into it for those first four episodes, yeah, three tough. or four episodes, is going to be tough, Amy. Sure. Because it's a lot of stuff, it, backstory information that people mostly don't know about. Okay. Until they actually... Because like the end of the first episode, you're finally introduced to Monica Lewinsky. But that's like at the very end of the first episode. Mm-hmm. And then, the second episode, it kind of delves into it just a bit, but not enough. And then yeah. by the, the third, that's when everything kind of starts rolling. Like, oh, now I see the power dynamic between yeah. everybody. Okay. Huh. But the fact that it takes you three episodes, which are each an hour and a half <laughs> it's a long, long road. Yeah. It takes a long time. Yeah. So I enjoyed it. Okay. At the end, it was a good journey. But, but right. that slow ramp up was just. But I'm, uh, good, I'm good. I'm glad to I'm hear glad that they landed it. Landed it. They landed it. Yeah. It's just like you're flying up through a fog. You're not sure where it's going to go or what it's about. <laughs> yeah. But finally, like you're above the clouds and you see everything. Like, oh, I understand now. I get it. I get it now. Like looking back, it's a good show. It's just while you're in the middle of it, you're like, I'm not quite sure yeah. of where we're going. Fair enough. Anything else on television? Kevin Jennings is back as the host of Jeopardy. Yes, uh, current guest host. Yep. I've not gotten quite there. Uh, he will be the guest episodes. host through the end of the year. Cool. Um, I think that's pretty much it. I'm just uh, continuing to watch uh, the uh, most recent season of Riverdale uh, prior to the season six premiere that will happen in, uh, I believe, at the end of this week. Um, so I'll talk about how, whether or not season five landed it or not, um, and probably for next week's show. I think we've got like five more episodes. Um, I did watch the new episode of Plan B because I was curious right, yes. after we talked the reboot, about it. Yes. The reboot. <laughs> I was curious after we talked about it. Yeah. And sure enough. Is it better? It is a better show okay. and it's a better pivot because Great. it focuses on the uh, retirement home living mm-hmm. style, and which means... You can get some older guest actors in yeah. it for a couple weeks. Ooh. It's like, hey, let's bring them in as a guest. Like, oh, you remember yeah. this person? Yeah. Now they're living here for a while. Oh, and the other and thing. And Right. The other thing in progress I'm watching, I think I have two more weeks on, is a Great British, Great British Bake Off. Two more episodes of that, I believe. Semi-finals are this week, so. Okay. And because we are so, in the holiday season, um, holiday baking, baking championship is starting. Yep. <laughs> also, also true. And uh, yeah, so uh, so we'll have uh, more to talk about when those things wrap up in the coming weeks. Oh, and something I I saw last night that yes. I was shocked was on TV. Okay, 
It's um, you bet your life. Uh huh. The game show. Right. Is back. Weird. Okay. On Friday nights on Fox. Sure. Past ten o'clock. <laughs> I think it's like eleven o'clock. It's after the okay. news. Hosted by Jay Leno. Weird. Yes. Okay. And Kevin Eubanks is there for some reason. Okay. It's weird. I don't know why. It like it was like the worst pilot. If this was the pilot episode, <laughs> it was the worst pilot episode of the game show I had seen wow. in a long time. Okay. That's weird. Uh Jay Leno did some stand up. He did his his um like an opening monologue real quick. He did um uh, the headlines bits from his uh from the Tonight Show that he yeah. used to do. And then it went to You Bet Your Life Question and Answers. <laughs> in like the most plain ass set you've ever seen. Do you think this is just literally because Fox had to have something cheap to fill a slot because they didn't have anything ready? Yes. <laughs> That's what it sounds like. That's what it feels like. Yeah. It was like, we had this, we have this, we shot this. You want to put it on television? Also, uh, it was, there was a secret word where the kids uh-huh. said it, yeah. they, they get $500. Yeah. And so in the middle of it, Jay Leno is literally trying to pull the secret word out of them by keeping asking the same person, like, yeah. different variations of a question to try and get them to say, <laughs> like, the word. I was like, oh, God, this is super cringy. Yeah, it sounds like a nightmare uh, I've had. <laughs> I was, I was watching it on the fascination of the train wreck. Yeah. Oh, jeez. That sounds painful. It is. All right, let's move on. Let's move because on. Because we need to stop talking about that <laughs> horror. Um, let's move on out of thoughts and into cancellations and renewals for this week. All right, what am I no longer watching besides yeah. that Jay Leno game show? Well, you're going to wrap up Wu-Tang and American Saga because that will be done on Hulu after its third season. Star Trek Prodigy will be back for a second season on Paramount+. Plus. The Hype. The Hype. We'll get a second season on HBO Max. Clearly, people were hyped about it. Selena plus Jeff will also get a third season on HBO Max. Search Party was recently revived on HBO, or continued on HBO Max after its TBS uh, run and will have its fifth season be its last. Now, these next three technically aren't canceled, right? but they've stopped airing them on TV. All right, so Fox and NBC, some network shows that have gotten axed. Like you said, temporarily. Mm-hmm. The Big Leap, canceled on Fox after one season. Our Kind of People, canceled on Fox after one season. And NBC's Home Sweet Home, canceled after one season, with no more future episodes planned. Like I said, they're not technically canceled officially. But pulling them. But whatever they've shot, yeah. that's all they're going to have. And it sounds like, yeah, if they do do more, maybe streaming is where it will live. <laughs> If that, I mean, I didn't invest my time in them, I guess. Then we have uh, one death uh, this week. Dean Stockwell, age 85. Actor, it was in Quantum Leap, Married to the Bob, Bob Parrish. Married to the Bob. Uh, Uh, The Mob? Mob, yeah. (laughs) It's a little dyslexic there. Yep. (laughs) And uh, Paris, Texas. So, yeah. Now, did he die, or did he just go somewhere else? Into someone else's body. That's Scott Bakula. Anyway, uh, <laughs> also Quantum Leap. Also, yes. Wrong, wrong guy. Wrong. I also just want to mention R.I.P. Winter the Dolphin. The Dolphin from the film Dolphin Tale. The one oh. with the prosthetic t- uh, tail. Uh, died on Veterans Day, uh, the 11th. Um, was played itself in the movie. Fun fact. That was okay. a real dolphin. And a real, real story. Dolphin? And a real story about a prosthetic tail. With real Morgan Freeman? No. 
but the dolphin was real. <laughs> dolphin was very real. So I'm pretty sure Butterfield was in that film. <laughs> R.I.P. Winter. Actually, I don't think he was. <laughs> sure, might as well have been. All right, let's move on. And, and I will toss this off to you, and you will talk about some music for us. And we start the music with the billboard, and we start the billboard with the Hot 100. Yeah. Can and you spot the change? Yeah. Can you? I mean, still at the number one. Yes. Hot 100 at the top. Easy on Me by Adele. Of course. Of course. Number two, Stay by the Kid Leroy and Justin Bieber. Three, Industry Baby by Lil Nas X and Jack Harlow. At number four, Bad Habits by Ed Sheeran. And at number five, the Applebee's song, Fancy Like by Walker Hayes. Can you spot the change from last week? Yep. There is no more Drake up here. Well, uh, that's technically true, but not the change. The change is literally four and five. Four and five slots. Yep. <laughs> but. but. Oh, yeah. Lots of Fancy Like played at NASCAR. Oh, I'm sure it was. <laughs> Everybody brought in their Applebee's into the stadium. Yeah. <laughs> right, talk about the other chart. Yep. Uh, as for the Billboard 200 chart, your albums chart, number one equals Ed Sheeran. <laughs> equal sign yeah. is uh, your number one album by Ed Sheeran. Sure, why not? Of course it is. Nope. Uh, because Ed Sheeran. Number two, uh, Certified Lover Boy by Drake because it's Drake. At three, Dangerous, the double yeah. album by Morgan Wallen because yeah. Morgan Wallen. But now that NASCAR is no longer on, I'm sure he's going to drop off. Huh. Uh, <laughs> number four, Planet Hurt by Doja Cat, coming up out of nowhere. <laughs> and rounding up your top five, something for the hotties from the activities by, by Megan the Stallion. That is a, uh, as the name implies, an archival, like some recorded songs that she hadn't released yet, compiled into a quick little EP release. It's not a full album. But it will chart. But if you like Megan the Stallion, it seems like uh, there's some good stuff on there. From the archives or from the vault. Yes, exactly. Think of these stallions from the vault. We'll get there. We'll get there. We'll, we'll get, get there. there. If you didn't like, we got to get through. We got to get three more things, and we can we can do it. We can talk about it. If you didn't like any of those albums, we do have new releases. All right, what do we got this week? Uh, this past Friday, I should say. Yep. Things that you can listen to now include things take time. Take time. By Courtney Barnett. We'll talk about that in a moment. Uh, nearer the fountain, more pure the stream flows. By Damon Ab- Adam Albarn. That, uh, that name seems familiar. Damon Albarn is because he's the Blur Gorillas guy. Okay, that's that guy, Damon Albarn. I uh, will have Welcome Break by Pip Blom. Yeah. Crawlers by Idols. Oh, singular. Oh, oh singular. Just one. One. Just um, one crawler. He, uh, he the tears of Hercules. <laughs> By Rod Stewart, and I assume it's Tears and Not Tears. It is that Rod Stewart, by the way. Yes. It is that Tears and Not Tears. <laughs> uh, Heavy Load Blues by Gunt Mule. I believe that's Government Mule. <laughs> uh, An Evening with Silk Sonic by Silk Sonic. Sonic. And Red, Taylor's version by Taylor Swift. <laughs> <laughs> no parentheses on which we will talk about real soon. We will here. talk about that as well. Yep. All right. But here's the big news. Okay. Um, bring in your pillow. Bring in your blanket. Get cold up because about to put this story to bed. Put on your shirt. Hashtag. Put on your night shirt. Hashtag free Britney. Yep. Because it happened. It happened. Actually, no. You can now frame that because it's yeah. now a relic. Yeah. 
because Britney Spears' conservatorship has been terminated. Yes. Officially done after 13 years, mm -hmm. a California court has determined it. <laughs> Quote, the court finds and determines that the conservatorship of the person and the estate of Britney Jean Spears is no longer required, Judge Brenda Penny ruled. Friday afternoon, literally yes. yesterday, literally we are yesterday. still in 24 hours of this happening. This is why we do a Saturday show now. Yes. <laughs> this is exactly why we do a Saturday show yes. now. That's actually not why, but yes, it helps. <laughs> yes. The November 12th hearing was brief and ran smoothly as all yeah. parties consented to the termination. Uh, the pop star was not present at the hearing, but uh, the Britney Spears, but her attorney, Matthew Rosengart, began speaking to the judge by reading from his client's testimony that she delivered back in June, stating that her wish is for the conservatorship to end without evaluation. Quote, the record is clear. The time has come today. Yay. Note. Yes. The conservatorship is, while it is terminated, is not fully terminated. There is still an accountant on the conservatorship. But only as an advisor, yeah. Britney Spears has full autonomy of her finances, of her estate, of her body, of her mind, of everything. Yeah. She's in full control yeah. after 13 years. Put that in perspective. Yeah. There are kids in high school yes. who only know Britney under a conservatorship. Yeah, I mean, this is good news. Um, it's what the, the movement wanted. It's what Brittany wanted. It's um, the best case scenario I think that could have happened with all of this. Um, so, yeah, I mean, now the next step is to seeing what Brittany does with her freedom. We might see some re-released records. We might see some new music. We might see some family news coming from her very soon. We might uh, not see her at all. We might not that. see her at all. Maybe she just decides that, hey, that was fun, but, like, I'm, I'm done. I'm done. I'm I highly... I feel like that's highly unlikely because she has stated one thing she does want to do is go back to the studio and record mm -hmm. more music. So, and she wants to perform again. Her uh, Vegas residency was cut short, and it would be interesting to see her renegotiate for that again. Um, anything could happen. It's Britney's world now. Um, she can choose to do whatever she wants. I'm excited to see what the next steps are in her career. Um, Concert tour saying Britney's back. Yeah, yeah, that's all she has to do. Yep. The It's Britney. And it will sell out immediately. <laughs> the It's Britney bitch. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> and it'll sell out instantly. I, I bet. Here's my prediction for the Grammys in February or January or whatever they are. They're in February. She comes on uh, stage to present something. Standing ovation. Yep. It has to happen, right? Because it'll be the first time she'll be making such a big uh, public appearance. Uh, she'll do New Artist of the Year. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, it'll take take uh, take Britney out to do that. Yeah, like like I've been around this music yeah. business for so long. Yeah, yeah, and it's so great to see all of you people. Oh, that, it's it'll be great. It'll be a great moment, and it's great to be on the stage. Yeah, and I'm glad to welcome it with the upcoming generation. Yeah, and the nominees are. Yeah, we'll... there. I've written it. Put our money. Maybe. Put our money down. This is this is gonna happen. And and when it happens, we'll you know we'll get our little phones out yeah. because we called it. All right, let's move on. Yep. Um, any other news with the Britney stuff? I think that's pretty much all I saw. We've been watching this for about a year now, and that might be the end of this story. You're probably right, but yeah. as you had said multiple times this year, it's probably our music story of the year. Yeah. It's like been so dominant. It's what we've talked about more than anything else. Yeah. yeah. 
So um, it is of note that the lawyer did say that they were not done. Yes. With uh, the legal proceedings, with Brittany's legal proceedings, meaning <laughs> that she could potentially and probably will sue the people of the conservatorship right. for having right. her under this for so long. Could very uh, well happen unless she just wants to be done with it, yeah. which I could also understand. Yep. But we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. But yeah, 13 years. Um, she's 39 now, so it means when she was 26. Yes. Yes. So Wild. Being 26-year-old, putting in a conservatorship, up until you're roughly 40. Yeah, exactly. It's it's a jet, like, you lose so much time. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I, I'm excited to see what she does. I mean, that's 2008. That's two and a half presidencies now. <laughs> that's true. All right. All Let's right. move on. Let's move on. Speaking to, of the new generation. Speaking of the new generation, the singer-songwriter Mitski's yeah, sixth, sixth recorded uh, sixth record, titled Laurel Hell, is set to release on February 4th via Dead Oceans. The album will be Mitski's first full-length release since 2018's Be the Cowboy, which found itself at the top of many end-of-the-year best albums. It was lists. in my top five that year. Yes, it was. Recall. Uh, Laurel Hell is a soundtrack for Transformation, a map to the place where vulnerability... This is a quote. Oh, sorry. Quote. It's a double. It's, it's a, a double yeah, quote. It's hard to see. So, quote Laurel Hill is a soundtrack for transformation, a map to the place where vulnerability and resilience, sorrow and delight, error and transcend can all sit. Transcend. <laughs> can all sit within our humanity, can all be seen as worthy of acknowledgement. And ultimately, love. The press release for the announcement reads, I accept it all, she promises. I forgive it all. New Mitski. Yeah, that's a a whole lot of uh, flowery language to basically say, hey, we're getting a new Mitski record. We knew we would. She released a couple of singles already off of it. Um, I have a mystery shirt coming in the mail. Apparently the designs are mystery designs, and I won't know until I get it what it looks Ooh. like. Interesting, huh? Um, so, yeah, yeah it's... Uh, I remember when I was doing mystery boxes. Yeah, right? They're fun. It's exciting, because, um, yeah, she... Uh, the uh, most uh, most uh, important thing to note about Be the Cowboy, it was Pitchfork's number one record that year. Okay. Uh, which surprised a lot of people, myself included. But it was very good, and Nitsky's a really great uh, singer-songwriter. It's good to see her back and uh, doing more music, so... Uh, what may seem like a small music story, I think as she kind of rises, you're going to see her pop up just like how we've seen Phoebe Bridgers lately, mm-hmm. which is she's going to break into the mainstream, and I think this is maybe her moment. Uh, this is the sixth record, so... Yeah, this is the time, I think, to, to pull that trigger, even though Phoebe's done it in half the time, but whatever. <laughs> anyway... Oh, you can't compare them. You can't compare them. Yeah. All right. Um, nothing compares to you. Oh, yeah, thanks, Joe. All right. <laughs> What's what's uh, now? We get to see the cowboy. Right. Yep, talk about thoughts. All right. So speaking of let's being get, the cowboy, let's get the small two one records out of, of the way, and then we can talk about the. Yep. So speaking of be the cowboy, yes, Jason Aldean is a cowboy. Is a cowboy. One of my favorite cowboys. <laughs> he loves to be a cowboy, and he's out with his tenth studio album, Mason. Macon. 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 You have Macon here. Uh, Mason. Garson. Garson. Mason. So, Macon. Macon. So, 
It's, it's, weird. it's weird. Well, so this album is actually named after the hometown of Georgia where he's from. Okay. That's why it's named Macon. as such, Macon. <laughs> making a lot. <laughs> <laughs> making a lot of money with this. Uh, and he probably will be making a lot of money with this because it's yeah. pretty... Uh, it's a good Jason Aldean record. It's a solid Jason Aldean record. Um, it's got the hard rock love songs that you love to hear from Jason Aldean. Sure. Not necessarily the stadium anthems that we've come to know in the past. Okay. But it is more the the other albums that he puts out, which is the Home Down Roots, the love, hard rock, okay. kind of bluesy. It's kind of Jason Aldean to it. Also on here, there's a rendition of Heaven. Yes, that Heaven, which has been covered by such the likes of Brian Adams and Cascade. Oh, weird. And so we're now getting a country version of Heaven. What? Yes, by Jason Aldean <laughs> on this album. I have to listen to that. <laughs> that sounds wild. And he ends it, uh, well, kind of ends it, kind of overfills it with five live uh, tracks from his tour. Of his famous songs, which okay. is good because I like hearing that stuff, sure. but also bad because you hear it, it's like, oh, these are the hits I'm used to compared yeah. to what I just listened to. Okay. So, mixed bag with uh, Macon. Okay. Right. I, I but if you like Jason Aldean, it seems like mostly It's something. mostly stuff you'll like if you yeah. like Jason Aldean. Right. Otherwise, it's it's going to be a hit and miss. Yeah. Not the, like I said, not the um, stadium anthems that... You've come to hear from Jason Aldean. Yeah. Kind of missing that. It's all right. But it's, like. it's, it's, all right. it's a hometown roots for yeah. Jason Aldean. Well, That's probably why I called it Bacon. That actually is a really good segue into what I listened to this week, which is the new Courtney Barnett record, uh, Things Take Time, Take Time. This is her third record following um, her first de- big debut uh, record, Sometimes I, I, I Sit and Think, Sometimes I Just Sit, which was a big critical hit uh, when it came out was um, a top 10 record a lot of big lists i love it it's a classic her second one more middling um a little slower a little uh, a little more difficult i think uh it alienated a lot of people and this one is kind of like even a more questionable choice i think to a lot of people um she's very still very guitar driven still very ba- like very um like uh these slower kind of drawn out um kind of guitar based songs but she's lost a little bit that lyrical bite that I think her debut promised and a lot of people was hoping that she would continue having. So I, I see a lot of people maybe getting a little disappointed by this and being like, well, it's not as engaging, it's not as interesting as I think some of the songs she's written before. I actually had an okay time with it. I liked it better than I think a lot of the critical reviews um, that are coming out. It's a like a good, like relaxing, guitar-driven indie rock record that you can kind of just put on while you're driving somewhere or put on in the background while you're working. And I think it's really nice vibes. It's chill. It is chill, is what I will say for it. It's calming. Is that um, not the funky beats? No, it's not that kind well, of record. Okay, it's not that kind of record. Um, so if you like... The slower moments, like if you like uh, her single from the first record, Depreston, it's kind of like that. She's still got that Australian tw- uh, twang to her voice, which is very comforting, I think. Um, so if you like Courtney, I say check it out. It's not as, like I said, it's not as exciting or engaging as maybe what she's capable of. I think doing that one record that she did with Kurt Vile has changed her sound forever. Yeah. <laughs> After that, they did a duet record, which was very slow in his kind of style if you're familiar at all with Kurt Vile, and so I think it's affected her songwriting ever since. She just slowed down and chilled out ever since, and then she hasn't came back. 
so yeah, it is what it is. I liked it. I enjoyed my time with it, but it's not gonna, it's not gonna top lists. It's not gonna be anyone's favorite of her records. It's hard to top when you made a classic on your first go. That's all I can say. And she's gonna be chasing that, I think, forever. And speaking of classics, <laughs> that's a great segue. To okay, all right, let's get into it. We want to talk about this. It's Taylor's world. We're just living in it. Let's We're talk about Taylor's version. We, yeah, Earth Taylor's version. That's what it's felt like the last couple days. I cannot get away from this record. It is everywhere. She is everywhere. Uh, she's on every late night show. She's on SNL tonight. Yep. I'll be watching that. She, there, she's like she's she's only doing the music, right? Yeah, she's just musical guest. Yep. Um, but dang, Taylor Swift finally did it. She released Red Taylor's version, a re-release of her 2012 album. What fans often refer to as her best, um, and they're not wrong. I think it's not maybe my personal favorite, but I think. Quality wise, they're probably correct. Probably I mean, is her best. Your favorite and best can be two different things. I, it is. I tweeted this. I tweeted two separate <laughs> lists uh, this week because I was like thinking about it. But um, but yeah, this is what you think it is. So if you listen to this podcast earlier in the year, we talked about her re-release of Fearless, her uh, second album, and this follows the same template as that. It is re-records of the original songs that were on the album re-records of the bonus tracks that were on the expanded version of the album and then from the vault tracks that she is releasing for the first time mm-hmm. um all of that is uh, also repeated here with red with one specific song that stands out from the rest because of how it's been i guess built up by the fans and it's be created its own lore about it Hype. the mythical 10 minute version <laughs> of taylor swift's classic all too well We'll get there. We'll circle back to it. But first, let's talk about the re-records of the original album. How much have you listened to Red, the original? How familiar are with it? And then, and then, how does this these re-records compare? The Red is Doctor's favorite album. Oh well, there you go. So there we go. So let's go from a baseline yeah. of okay. I know this album. I've listened to this album, the original one, obviously. Right. I was like, okay, like I've had to listen to it. <laughs> so putting this one on yes it weirdly sounds better created than fearless does and i don't understand why because <laughs> they're both created the same way but i like this album better than i did fearless or yeah. like the, the taylor's version sure yes the quality's better or sitting's better on this yeah. i don't get it it's just a world better I even think, though like they're recorded yeah. about the same time yeah, I think I think it's just because you're working from better material. I think right. that's literally what it is. Maybe. Fearless is a good album. I'm not saying it's not. But it's not as good as Red. And you can tell now with these two comparisons. Like, you back compare to them back to back now. This, she just, as a songwriter, she just was getting better. She wasn't to the point where she was writing these like Stone Cold classics yet. She was writing good songs, but they weren't up to the bar that she would eventually reach. So that's why even if you're re-recording it, even if you have better vocals now, even though you you are coming from it from that context, it's still you're working on that baseline and you can only do so much to improve it. And I think, yeah, you're right. Coming at these better songs that she wrote for Red, it's going to sound better no matter what she does. Is this the adage of a great actor can make good of a great script or a bad, yeah. a bad script good? Yeah, I think, I think in a lot of ways, well, I mean, not exactly that because like, I think that argument is if, if you found the Fearless recordings better. Okay. Uh, but, but 
I think that, yeah, I think you're on to something there. I think that she's getting into the groove with these re-records, mm-hmm. uh, perhaps, and this is also maybe she's just, like, in more of a spot. So I watched an interview she did with uh, Seth Meyers on uh, his show last night, and one of the things she said was kind of reviewing the content of these songs that were so in the moment when she wrote them and recorded them mm-hmm. was very emotional back then, and now she can look at it from, the re- like, the rear view, from, like, the big you know, 20,000 feet above. And she's saying that that was freeing in a way. It was relaxing as an experience because it was a way to record something with knowing that it works out in the end. Well, we're about 10 years from when she did record it. Yeah. And I think that it's different with Fearless because Fearless, the content of those songs comes from a very different place. It's about wide-eyed optimism. It's about hope. It's about like, if I do get into these relationships, what will they be like? Will it be like these movie romances that I see? That's the Fearless songs. Red is the opposite of that. Red is the realization that, no, this is what real romance can happen. That can happen to real romance sometimes. Here's the bitterness, the feeling of being lost, the feeling of loneliness, the feeling of re- regret or revenge. Like, the, yeah, it's the, the aftermath. The yeah, trouble. the trouble. The trouble. It's the trouble. aftermath, right? And oh. so, so they're just so different that it's hard to compare. Mm-hmm. So what I will say is, I agree with you somewhat that these re-records are pretty good, but there are exceptions. I think that the Max Martin songs, your radio singles that were huge at the time, I think Twenty Two, uh, I knew you were trouble, and I and um, what's the other one? Never, Never getting back together. together. I actually think they uh, they uh, come out sounding the worst of all the re-records. And that's not necessarily Taylor's fault. I think it's just that they're, weirdly enough, and I could say this now with almost a decade of distance, they're very of their time. Mm. They're so influenced by sounds that were popular in 2012, your dubsteps, your big EDM movement that was yeah. happening at the time, that I feel like they sound almost kind of empty in a modern production. And with such clean, pristine recordings of them, you can tell that more than you used to be able to. It's a big difference hearing the original playing on, you know, the radio and hearing 22 come out of modern quality headphones in this new, higher mm-hmm. fidelity version. It's almost, it, it almost makes you wonder how a 1989 remaster will sound <laughs> because it also has that problem where it's so influenced by its time that it's going to come out on the other end of this process, I think, sounding a little weird. Right, it's time being 2018, not 1989. <laughs> yeah, 2014. That was a 2014 yes. Uh But yeah, so it's going to be... So I, But I did think that a lot of the guitar-driven songs come out sounding really, really good here. I think the highlights for me were the re-record of um, Red, the title Red, track. Yes. Sounds amazing. I think it's easily better than the original. And also the some of the slower numbers. I think that... Um, Sad, Beautiful, Tragic sounds great. Sounds beautiful in the new record. I think her voice has aged very well to do the Hope Sandoval, Mazzy Star impression that she was trying to do the first time but was too young to execute. Now she can do it, and she does it really, really well. I also thought the duet sounded weird, especially the Ed Sheeran duet. I wonder if he was able to re-record if he did it. He he definitely did, did, because it sounds way different than his vocal take on the original. I actually prefer how he sounded in 2012. Okay. I think he sounds really strange here, and I don't know why. He sounds better in the bonus in the vault track that he's also on. Okay. I don't know what was going on in the in the recording for uh, Everything Has Changed. 
It's super weird. And the Snow Patrol guy, eh, he just sounds like the Snow Patrol guy <laughs> again. Um, so, right. yeah. So, let's talk about the song we need to talk about. Mythical um, 10 minutes. All right, all right. So, we'll talk about the, the vault stuff overall, yeah. real quick. Um, how'd you like the new songs? Um, that were not I didn't get there. to the new songs yet. What? You're coming in not prepared. Oh, no. You See, I started at the top. For the Media Bow podcast. I started at the top. You didn't do what I did, which was wait until 9, 9 o'clock on Thursday night and plush play at 9, 10 and listen to all two something, two and a half, well, almost two and a half hours of this thing. Oh, no. See, I listened to the 50-minute bacon version right. of Jason Aldean. <laughs> okay, well... I did my homework, so I can actually talk about the new vault stuff. I actually think the unreleased vault stuff is better than the fearless unreleased vault stuff, okay. which, of course, makes sense. She was a better songwriter in the Red Era. Mm-hmm. It makes sense that the 2012 songs would sound better than the 2008 songs, and they do. Uh, one note, two of the songs you may recognize as having heard before, because you have. Because there were songs that Taylor wrote in the era for other artists. Uh, Better Man, which was recorded by Little Big Town and was a single for them. I believe they won a Grammy off of that thing. I think they did as well. Uh, Which Taylor wrote. She now records uh, her own version of for one of the vault tracks. I like that song. It's really good. The Taylor version is also very, very good. That's a... It's one of her most underrated songs. I think that it's it's really well represented here. And then Babe, which she handed to Sugarland. She records here herself. They both sound really good. I think um, it's a good example of, like, yeah, even though other artists own this, she can also kind of, like, co-own it. Um, and the brand new songs here, I had a good time with. There's one in specific that sounds like almost a beta version of a 1989 track called Message in a Bottle. I don't know if it's a Max Martin thing. I don't think it is, but it sounds like it is. It's her try at, like, pure EDM sound. Okay. Before she wrote, of course... Um, what was the EDM song she secretly wrote with Calvin Harris? It was um, where she wasn't credited in initially. Oh, when she was the Swedish? Uh, yeah, it was uh, Bjorn or something. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> what was that one? Um, that's shit. For, was it Rihanna? Did she ended up recording that? Anyway, we don't need to talk about it. But before she did that, she did uh, this. And obviously, yes, calling a song... Um, <laughs> you're just going to get pictures. <laughs> um... You're going to get uh, I don't remember what it is, but... Uh, bah, 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 bah. A Fields? No, that's no. not it. This is what you came for. Like, yeah, that's it, that's it. Yeah, yeah, this is what you came yeah. for. Well, so before that, though, so yeah, obviously naming a song Message to the Bottle is kind of hard to do because everybody's just going to think about the police. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's a very, very good song. It's a lot of fun. So yeah, I had a really good time with the vault songs. And then now, we can talk about All Too Well... 10 minute version, Taylor's version. So, it kept going. If you're not familiar with the legend of All Too Well, it is a song that, according to Taylor, the first draft was a 10 minute draft that she culled down, took some lyrics out to become the six minute version that we got on the original recording of Red. It became a fan favorite. It was never released as a single, there was no video for it. Mm-hmm. But it became a classic because the fans really glommed onto it. And over the course of the years since Red's release, it's arguably become her best song. A lot of people call it her best song. It kind of encapsulates the entire Taylor Swift um, identity. It's a song about like a love, like a romance that didn't work out, and feeling like still having the repercussions of that even now. Literally, all too well. I know that all too well. It's like kind of encompasses the entire 
work of Taylor Swift. Hence why fans like it so much. Well, she decided that she was going to put and record the original draft, the original 10-minute draft of All Too Well on this record. And sure enough, all the rumors over time about it turned out to be true. That it was more like specific about her relationship with supposedly, allegedly, Jake Gyllenhaal. This is supposedly about, believe right. it or not. Uh, and then also that it had uh, some swears in it. <laughs> it absolutely does. Um, and so, yeah, so the fan theories ended up being correct. One caveat, I will say. Some people have pointed out that that the claim that she's making that these have always been the lyrics and this is this version has always existed since she wrote it in that era some people maybe are finding that a little hard to swallow some people are pointing out that the cadence and the delivery of the lyrics in this version sound awful lot like stuff on folklore and evermore modern taylor writing mm -hmm. as opposed to the way the style in which she wrote in 2012 so jury's still out on whether we are believing Taylor at face value that this was actually the original draft. Well, this is Taylor's version, yeah. so... Who knows? It could go either way. Maybe someday she says, oh yeah, I wrote that in 2020. Maybe it is. Maybe she'll show, like, scan up some papers and say, like, no, I wrote it. It's right here. I wrote it. 2012. Who knows? Lyrics might be there, but vocally yeah. might be different. Yeah, who knows? Maybe. All that said... It's, I think, delivers on the promise. I think fans will be happy with it. I think they are happy with it already. It's devastating. There's a lot of great lyrics in the new version. It's a weird structure, though. As you mentioned, it kind of keeps going. Mm -hmm. It's very proggy because it's like three different kind of things in one. It goes some places. When you think it's done, it's not. There's a whole coda like at the end of it. It fades out, which I laughed at literally when i when i got to that part of the song i was like wow she had the balls to write a 10 minute song and then have it stayed out but it's it's i think it's what people wanted it to be um i think it's ultimately what the fans dreamed of it being and yeah i think it's gonna be a lot of people's immediate like favorite thing that she's ever done i think this is gonna be like a crowning moment for her going forward everybody's gonna be like oh yeah but the real, realest Taylor song is the 10 minute all too well. I think that's going to be what you're going to hear from the Swifties from here on out. Um, and so you, you have you listened to the full 10 minutes? I did listen to full 10 minutes. I think it was the first thing that I put on because I yeah, wanted to hear made, all 10 minutes. You did the thing I kind of wanted to do, but I was like, no, I have to do it the way she intended. So yeah. I waited. Oh, well, like, listen to it. Yeah, I listened to it top to bottom, so. Yeah, so you got to listen to that first. Yeah. And then jump to Jason Aldean and then to <laughs> the top of Red. Fair enough. Because um, I wanted to listen to it. Actually, no, it got spoiled to me on uh, YouTube. <laughs> hey, we know you're looking up for yeah, this. So the algorithm go. spoiled it for you. Yep. But yeah, ultimately, I think it's a good... It's I think it turns out better than the Fearless uh, Taylor's version does. And a lot of that's big, but just because Red is a better album. And she was just a better artist when she wrote these songs. And I think that as a package, it's probably one of the best albums of the year. With that caveat that media vote rules i'm going to eliminate it from competition for because, it's because it's a re-release because it's a re-release i'm sorry i think maybe if we want to do a separate like kitty corner Taylor's where it's like version. stuff that's not necessarily from this year that we also loved maybe we can include it i mean but I don't yeah think. We can, i mean it's always honorable mentions yeah. 
But I will say that I think that as it stands, as a thing, that uh, that as a re-release of Red, I think it's better than I anticipated it being. I think it's the version of this record uh, to kind of go down in history. I think that's she succeeded at it. She so succeeded at everything she said she wanted it to be. The album may be titled Red, but you're giving it a gold. That's <laughs> <laughs> what she did there. Um, real quick, last thing I want to say about it is I watched the co-release, like the release at the same time of short film that she put out for All Too Well, which is uses the 10-minute song as a backbone, but is a film that she directed and wrote. Um, it was, it's directly released on YouTube for anybody to watch, but it also had a limited theatrical mm-hmm. release in New York area AMC theaters. Okay. Yeah. I guess because she wanted to see it on a big screen, which makes sense. I watched it. It's fine. It's got, um, um, Sadie Sink, nineteen uh, year old actress who's been in Stranger Things and a couple of other smaller smaller deals, and Dylan O'Brien in it as a couple, as the couple, the um, couple, yeah, in the song. Um, it's interesting. She's not a great director. It looks fine. I think Halsey actually is better than she is technically. If you're going to compare compare pop, singers. which I did watch that Halsey <laughs> on uh, HBO Max. Yeah, it's good. Huh? It's, it's all right. It's yeah. a very interesting visual thing. Yeah, and this also succeeds in that way. It's a very interesting visual thing. It's very autumnal. It's very like there's leaves falling as you would hope there would be. There's a scene of like of a, a lover's spat, the big argument, blow ups, a lot of crying on shoulders, a lot of hugging. It's what you think it is about a, a, a movie adaptation of the song All Too Well. Um, yeah, it's fine. It's fine for what it is. And it's like 13 quick minutes. So if you if that sounds appealing to you, go on YouTube, check it out. It's a companion. It's a good companion piece to the record. Okay. But yeah, that's that's Taylor. Uh, good luck escaping this. This will be everywhere for a while. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Anything else about Taylor Swift or any other? No, I think that wraps it up. I think that's pretty much all we need to say. All right, let's move on then to our final... Section, section here, here. Yeah, in video games yes. we'll start with new releases okay. including sherlock holmes chapter one yeah for the ps5 xbox series x and pc nerf legends <laughs> now they're not nerfing these legends this no. is nerf uh guns yeah nerf guns legends uh for the ps4 ps5 xbox one xbox series x switch and pc it's and, everywhere yeah. if you got it you can play it um, and your two big releases of yes. the week, uh, Pokemon Brilliant Diamond and Pokemon Shining Pearl yes. for the Switch. Out Friday. Out. I will uh, hopefully be able to talk about this next week's show, uh, depending on how whether Target delivers it on Friday or not. Because, okay. um, yeah, so Christy will be playing this. Okay. Um, and then we have Battlefield 2042 for, the, for everything but the Switch. Yeah, PS4, yeah. PS5, uh, both Xboxes <laughs> and the PC. So yeah, if you have those consoles, you're getting Battlefield. If you don't, you're getting Pokemon. <laughs> we'll see. All right. Let's get some video game news. Yes. And we'll start with the Game Pass. Yeah, for PC. For PC, as The Verge reports that Microsoft is working on an update to the Xbox app, which will give players similar install options to Steam and some other game launchers. Currently, players are able to change which drive their games install on, installed to by default by going to the settings menu on the PC Xbox app. At the moment, games are installed 
to a Windows apps folder, which is restricted to players. Yeah. However, the new update will also let players specify exactly which yes. folder they want to install a game to. This will then allow them to browse and modify the contents of these folders once a game has been installed, aka modding. Quote, with great PC games like Back for Blood, Age of Empires 4, or Forza Horizon 5, and Halo Infinite, on day one uh, with Game Pass, we wanted to provide players with more options to customize their experience in the Xbox app. Jason Beaumont, Beaumont Partner Director of Experiences at Xbox, told The Verge in a statement. Quote, We will continue to share updates as we launch additional features. End yes. quote. This is a big deal for two reasons for people who use Game Pass on PC. Yep. First and foremost is this is fixing a big issue that a lot of people have had with the service on PC that, this, that they don't have on a console. PC gamers are used to being able to do what they want to do with their video games. I mean, one of the things about Steam being so open is that you can install wherever you want if you have a specific games folder, mm -hmm. and you can put mods on it. You can There's a flexibility to PC gaming that's ingrained in PC gaming culture because it's always been there. There's an assumption that you have more freedom with your experience on PC than you ever do with a console. With uh, Microsoft uh, Game Pass and Game Store on PC, they kind of put a wrench in that. Basically, putting them in this hidden folder pissed off a lot of people who wanted more flexibility, especially people who wanted to move them, say, if their C drive was getting filled up and couldn't in the way that they wanted to because even if they would un uninstall, those files would still be hidden somewhere that they didn't have access to and mm -hmm. couldn't remove them. This solves that problem. I think this is going to be good news for all those heavy power users on PC who have been frustrated by the inaccessibility of those folders. This also means sales of SSD drives will go yep. up as that's where they're going to put them. Right, exactly. But then, of course, as you mentioned, the flip side of this and where some uh, more niche of the PC uh, community will be excited about this is mod support. Okay. Um, having the files be able to found and modified does make the make it easy to say run a, run the Game Pass version of Fallout New Vegas and put a mod in there. New Vegas and the Fallout games are notorious for being heavily modded. Yep. This will allow people to finally do it in the Game Pass version. Um, so yeah, it's exciting. It opens up a whole new world of options for PC games on uh, the Game Pass service. Now this does mean that, as the as it says, day one releases such as Forza Horizon Five yeah. and Halo Infinite will be able to be modded from day one. Supposedly. Supposedly. I mean, yeah. I don't know how much uh, Microsoft is going to let tools out there for people to do that. Like, mod support has to be on a game level to a certain extent, right. unless you really want to hack it. Um, so, yeah. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if there's not a whole lot of that action with the Microsoft first-party stuff. But legacy stuff, like especially the Bethesda games or uh, its Doom games, I think you're going to see a lot of stuff in the mod community being made for those. Okay. All right, and our second story has to deal with some delays. As it is the holiday season, I'm sure you want yourself a new console. Well, that news. Bad news. <laughs> um, if you're looking forward to Valve's Steam Deck, well, the launch is going to be delayed. Yeah. In the statement published uh, by the company, uh, Valve, by Valve, uh, it was due to uh, the global supply chain issues. 
Well, you know, that's just what they say. Right. Quote, <laughs> due to material shortages, components aren't reaching our manufacturing facilities in time for us to meet our initial launch dates. End quote. Yeah. Uh, in February of 2022 will now be the start date of reservation queues. All reservation holders keep their place in line, but dates will shift back accordingly. But as uh, according to Valve, reservation date estimates uh, estimates will be updated shortly. Quote again, we're sorry we won't be able to make our original ship date. We'll continue working to improve reservation dates based on the new timeline, and we'll keep folks updated as we go. Yeah. I mean- this isn't super surprising. Uh, Sony had a similar thing to say this week about PS5. PS5 yep. They had to uh, kind of crank down the number that they were talking about originally for PS5s hitting the holiday season. Mm-hmm. Supply chain is just still shot. And nobody can make the, the components that they need to make these electronics. Not surprising that Valve got hit too. So their ambitious plan about getting some of these by the end of the year is not going to pan out. And everybody's going to move back in the queue. Which means that you were already last. You're going to be even further back than you thought in 2022. Which is depressing the, if you're really looking forward to this. The, the tweet I saw um, when the PlayStation supply was announced yeah. was that um, I've never had a harder time trying to give someone $500. <laughs> I want to give you this money for a good or service. Please let me give you this $500. That's funny. Now, if uh, you're in the market for a different kind of handheld... Oh, you mean like the one with the crank? Yeah, if you want crank to crank it up. I always crank it, crank it. Put some of that sugar in my cup. <laughs> what, what? All right. All right. <laughs> Additionally, uh, panic. Panic. But don't panic. Yeah. But do panic. Because uh, the company Panic has announced that its play date handheld has also been delayed to 2022. The first batch of systems were supposed to be sent out to pre-order customers late this year, but issues with the battery Uh and CPU have resulted in a delay. According to a message sent to all pre-order customers, the first major issue was a problem with the battery in the sample units of Panic and Order. Quote, our first 5,000 Finished play date units arrived at our warehouse in California for 2021. We began to test a few of them. We quickly became concerned that some of them weren't giving us the battery life that we expected. This is why you hire quality control. Well, okay, so there's a couple of wrinkles here. One interesting thing, though, is this is not a supply chain issue, for once, uh, because these things don't use the high-priced components that these bigger, more complicated Mm -hmm. consoles do. That being said, it is something that they're at least aware of and are working on, uh, and so it seems like a legitimate reason. And the other thing is, is that yes, that sounds all well and good, like hire more people to to to, to do quality control, but they're also a much smaller company than your Valves and Sony's. Yes, it's a much bigger undertaking that they're doing here as a small company. Well, I'm not saying hire more quality. I'm saying <laughs> this is why you do quality control. Yes, this control. is why. Because if you sent these out like just based on a few tests, like oh. One looks good. Let's just set out all five thousand, and then, yeah. like, even even ten percent, which is five hundred of them, come back as yeah. faulty. Right. It would have had a return nightmare, yep. and it wouldn't have, it wouldn't have been good launch for them. 
So this yeah, is that's, probably that's how you kill your launch immediately. So this is probably a good thing to just get out in front of it and be like, hey, we want this to be the best experience possible, and it's not there yet. So wait, just wait a little bit longer. We're going to deliver mm-hmm. this thing when it's finally ready for consumption. Yeah, yeah. they have five thousand units. I mean, that's, that's a lot of units. That's a lot of units. So a good start. Recorder. Good yeah. start because I imagine there's probably hundreds of thousands of people that probably bought this, pre-ordered this. So mm-hmm. they're getting there. Um, but yeah, like I said, this is like, a smaller company too. So right. We're not dealing with like this is not millions of people. No, yeah. this is this is a much more niche product. Yep. But yeah, so you're just gonna have to wait a little longer for both of those things. Uh, a little longer to crank it up. <laughs> so right now we'll just crank it down a bit. Crank it down a little bit. All right. We got a couple thoughts we as do. we wrap yeah. up here. Um, yeah. Otherwise, well, we'll... assume it's gonna be a longer podcast. Yeah, yeah, you were right, but uh, but this should not take very long to wrap no. up here. All right. Just quick little things about yeah. these games. Yeah, uh, so a couple weeks ago, um, Riot of Republic, the new yeah. Ubisoft game, had an open beta that I was able to get into. All right. Uh, I believe this is the releasing next week? Or is it, no, it's already out, right? Yeah, this came out last, this past yeah, week. Yeah, this is the past week. This yeah. is out now. Yeah, this is out now. So I was able to play um, Riot of Republic. Riot of Republic. Man, <laughs> Ubisoft yeah. and that Assassin's Creed map. It's gotten a lot of use yes. out of it. Uh-huh. Does Riders Republic have a big map with a bunch of things on it? Yes, Riders Republic has a big map right. with a lot of different uh, activities on it. Okay. And, and this is, to be clear, this is a skiing, snowboarding game, right? Oh, but there's also gliding Ooh. and ATVing, and okay. uh, I think there's like uh, some water into it as well. Fun. Okay. Yeah, uh, mainly like biking, skiing, snowboarding, um, mountain, BMX, racing, adventure, high adrenaline adventure game. All right. With a big like Assassin's Creed style map with a bunch of different activities for you to go and do. So for someone like me who wants to do every single one and kind of like farm my way through it as I go, it's a complete nightmare. (laughs) That being said... There's so much variety in gameplay that you can yeah. pick and choose to do your favorite ones. That's nice. So it's good to have variety for certain players. <laughs> Is it fun? I had some fun playing it, actually. Right. It moves fast. Cool. Um, like, the actual races are not longer than two minutes. Yeah. Um, and they're quick to restart as well. Um, there's a first-person view as well as a third-person view, so you can get that extra boost of, like, going, like, Going real fast down a mountain uh, in the first person mode, or if you want to see where you're going, you can do the third person, like kind of cheat and turn the camera around, yeah, and do stuff. Uh, drifting as well. Uh, I think the flying through the air mechanic adds that extra layer that you're not just limited to what they could put on the map, yeah. So you can fly through canyons, you can th- fly through the rings as well. It gives it that extra dimension, cool. dimensional layer as well, okay. And then it gives you like the option to either use the the like the bike or the the snowboard to travel around or run to everything, or you can get on ATV and ride everywhere, yeah. or get on snowmobile and ride everywhere. It's fun. Cool. I do have you, fun doing it. Do you like it enough where you're going to look into the full version? No, no. It was nice to have for free for a little bit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the story mode is at least unique in it. At least fun in its own right, where mm-hmm. you're trying to climb the uh, what's essentially the X Games ladder, 
Sure. To become the best extreme sporter you can be. <laughs> um, I thought the characters were fun um, that you were introduced to in that. So if you're looking for like an adventure sports game, it's not a bad one of those. Mm-hmm. I just kind of prefer more story-based games at this point now. <laughs> sure, yeah. But yeah, that I seems mean, cool. Seems cool. Uh, from the brief time that I had, the map is big, lots of different environments, and I fun, um, which is weird calling for a Ubisoft game <laughs> at this point, but I had fun with it. Great. So if you're looking for yeah, a good, good. Um, like adventure sports, I mean, it doesn't feel like you're doing the same task over and over again. Yeah, there's a, there's variety around uh, the different um, the different the maps. Cool. So great, awesome. It's fun like that. That's awesome. I'm glad that's good because yeah, after after people were kind of disappointed with Steep, Ubisoft's last try at this. Yeah, well, with Steep, you're doing the exact same run mm-hmm. in different styles. So this is more op- open. And this is more open more and optional. optional. Yes, that's really cool. Cool. I'm glad Riders Republic is good. Speaking of story based games, I played a game that's nothing but. Yes. So uh, this is on my queue at yes. some point when I'm trying to get it. And it was on my queue, too. So this uh, came out earlier in the year, but I have not had a chance to play it because mm-hmm. it's a full price, $60 product, and I was not quite ready when it came out to purchase it. Mm-hmm. But it's here. The new Life is Strange game. True Colors. Your True Colors. So this is um, the third proper uh, Life is Strange game following the original uh, 2 and 2. This is not by the original developer, Don't Nod. This is by a company that previously had worked with them on Life is Strange projects, including Before the Storm, the um, spiritual prequel uh, to the first game. And it follows in the footsteps of 2 and introduces brand new characters in a brand new place, although technically it may be related to the other games because they also take place in Colorado. They're all in the expanded Colorado (laughs) Life is Strange universe. That being said, um, so I jumped into Life is Strange True Colors last week. I played through the first episode. Unlike previous games, it is not being released episodically. Instead, you get all of the episodes at once in one game package. I think this is a good choice because it means that you don't have those cliffhangers which were annoying before yes. you're not waiting three months to find out what happens um but people who want to maybe approach it in a more um separated way will want to impose that own restriction on themselves i'm not doing that i'm just powering through okay. so i finished one and i'm in the middle of the second episode so far and uh, i'm enjoying it so far uh, it has all the life is strange trappings that you would hope it would Characters are interesting in a young adult fiction kind of way. Right. If you're going in expecting some like deep, you know, uh, really emotional, like super uh, well written story, I mean, that's not what this is. This is very much like story about like people in their young tw- like twenties who make stupid decisions. It's very like CW show. It's very young adult Aww. fiction. It's very, but in a good way though, okay. not in a bad way. Because like, like CW recently has been <laughs> like taking good concepts right. and just shoving their formulaic. But, um, storytelling, but it's not. Story. Yeah, it's not doing that. It's more of it's the be- it's when those things are good. It's okay. like it. It's where it's like that's why I said young adult fiction first because yeah. if you're familiar with that world, it's more like that. These are serious stories that are like emotionally resonant uh, for people going through some shit when you're young, okay. and that's very much what this is. In fact, the hook this time is that you're somebody who is so empathetic that it becomes and and like 
so in tune with other people's emotions that it becomes almost a superpower for them. Just as previous Life is Strange games, your character has supernatural ability that plays into the, uh, the actual gameplay of the game. And this is also the case here. Except it's less of a one-to-one comparison than the first one. The first one you had the time rewind that you could literally use to solve puzzles. Mm-hmm. This is more abstracted out, where it's like, yes, there is a, um, a, a supernatural ability, but the puzzles are more in the world and are not actually uh, related to the ability. You, you're not a superhero, I guess is what I'm saying. Okay. You have the ability to maybe see some things that other people can't, but you're not like, you don't have like, you're not a superhero in that same way that you maybe would be in these other games. So, yeah, um, it's an interesting hook. I think that the, um, the gameplay so far is what you would expect. The story is what you would expect. The writing um, has maybe some of the limitations that um, the games have had in the, in, the, in the past, not getting up to quite a high enough bar maybe for some people. Some people will read it as being like, I wish these performances were better or I wish this writing was a little better. But if you're coming and expecting Life is Strange, you're going to get that. Okay. And I think a lot of people will be satisfied by it. And for what it is, I think it is pretty well written, in my opinion. I think it's doing the thing it does pretty well for what it is. Now, the price tag. I think that, yeah, I think that maybe people are going to look at this and be like, I'm going to spend $60 for a game that's all story. So you really have to be on board for what this kind okay. of thing is to be, to be willing to pay for it. Especially with the special editions, they will try to gouge you to get more out of you by adding things into that pile. Uh, the most expensive version, which, yes, you can make fun of me now, I ponied up for, um, includes this game, a already released uh, uh, like expansion story that talks about in another character's experience more in depth. And then also, when they release at the beginning of the next year, the remastered editions of Life is Strange 1 and Before the Storm. Okay. That's one I bought because I was like, it'd be nice to have PS5 versions of those. And so I just ended up just buying all of it because I was like, why not? It's something you were going to get already. It's probably going to pay the $20 when those came out anyway, so you know what, whatever. Okay. So yeah, I just did it. You don't have to do that. Like I said, the base package just for the game by itself is $60, bucks, uh, even on PS5. Okay. And if you buy the PS5 version, you also get the PS4 version. It's just one version. Okay. So yeah, um, I'm having a good time with it. I've like said, I don't even think I'm halfway through this thing yet. It's there's a lot more of it to 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 uh, to finish, but I like the story so far. I like the characters. I think it's going in some interesting ways. It's still even though it's not released episodically, they still managed to do that gut punch cliffhanger ending yeah. at the end of the first episode that makes you want to press on next chapter right away. Okay. So they, it's still Life is Strange. I think they're doing a good job with this one. Okay, well, that's good. Yeah. Let me check this out. Yeah. Um, cool. I think cool. the last one on my list is Kena for PS5. Yeah, Kena. I haven't played Kena yet. Well, I think it's uh, for previous gens. No, that's PS5, yeah. I know, but I don't think it's released yet. It's PS5. No, it's out. It is? Yeah, it's been out. Oh. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I got something that says, like, put it in the mail or something coming out soon. I don't know, but Kena has been out. For a couple weeks on PS5, that's not that's not too too common. Okay. But yeah, good time to good time. A lot of games to play. A lot of games. Oh, and I finished unpacking. I talked about unpacking last week without you. Um, but yeah, uh, I finished it. It, it it's still a very fun, calm uh, game that was a little too real maybe at the time I played it. <laughs> yes. but, but still very good. I think for what it is, it's a fun 
little subtle narrative game that also fulfills your maybe if you're a little uh, organization happy your fantasy of everything being put in its right place so it's good it's good it's on game pass and uh, you should play it if you have and lastly in semi video game news um fantasy football wrap it up yeah i guess that's video game it's video game ish (laughs) fantasy football uh, I, I meant to mention this in sports, but yeah. in case you didn't hear the news, OBJ mm. is now a Ram. Yes, yes. Unfortunately, yes. Uh, <laughs> also, uh, because of the extended weeks, um, the regular season will be wrapping up at the end of this month, mm-hmm. uh, which gives us into playoffs real soon. Yeah, coming soon. Super excited about that. Very exciting. Can I be a breaking news thing? Yeah. Okay. Breaking news. Robert Woods tore his ACL out for the season. That's why they got him. <laughs> That's why they got him. No, it's actually going to be important Because man. he's going to be an important <laughs> We'll rip your team now. And we'll, and we'll get the ball all the time. Oh, well, there you go. Breaking news. R.I.P. R.I.P. Bobby Wood. <laughs> Bobby Trees. There you go. You heard it here first. Everybody. I think I brought it up. Okay. All right. It was perfect timing. Yeah, yeah, all right. right. Well, is it time to wrap it up? Yeah, let's try to wrap it up. Thank, Thank you for joining us for this week. This burgeoning full of news episode of the Medium Vote Podcast. Uh, thoughts, too. We'll be back next week with another episode. Uh, actually, will be? Yes, because yes. we're a week before Thanksgiving. We need to figure yep. out what we're going to do that weekend. Uh, we'll we'll just do a Wednesday episode on that week. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it. Uh, but yeah, thank you for joining us for this week. If you want to see the video versions of this show, you can go to youtube.com and search Media Vote Podcast. Find our channel where we have archives of our live streams as well as live streams when they happen on Saturday mornings, usually. Um, If you want the audio version, you can go to podcast services such as Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Amazon. You can go to um, iHeartRadio, Spotify, anywhere you listen to podcasts. We are there, so check us out there. If you want to see us on social media, we're on Twitter at at MediaVoteCast. Facebook, search Podcast to find our page. Like, um, subscribe, whatever you want to do there. And then if you want to ask us questions, we are just an email away at mediaboatpodcast at gmail.com. Questions, comments, we may read yours on the air if you send one. So thank you for joining us. We'll be back next week. So stay tuned. Tune in next week for a new one. But in the meantime, have a good week, everybody. Enjoy, hopefully, what in the U.S. most of you have a nice long weekend thanks to veterans day so uh we'll see you guys next week yep we'll be back next week with more thoughts more news and more of us yes okay bye bye